is also known as a long range rim job. And, you know, and it says in a sentence, if you were to just so you can really know um, what it means. Yeah, I can I use it in a sentence. Yeah, in a sentence. Actually, yeah, actually, this is from, uh, f- this was submitted by Rim Jim Salabim in May, 20- <laughs> <laughs> May 27th, 2011. He said, I was watching the BYU game while Gene Simmons gave me a rimmer for debt. Welcome to the Dylan and Joe Basement Podcast. Every week, same hosts, same podcast, same way to listen and watch the podcast on Spotify or YouTube. I'm your host, Dylan, and... I'm your other host, Joe. To start me off, I wanted to quote Aldo Rain from the film Inglorious Bastards says, there's a number of things wrong with fighting in the basement. Number one... You're fighting in a basement. And today we're going to be fighting in a basement on the Dylan and Joe Basement Podcast. Here we go. And to, uh, I think uh, Black History Month is what, next month? Yes, it is. And it was Martin Luther King Day this Monday, actually. Yeah, Yeah, we've got a whole nother uh, fucking plan for February that we're not going to tell you about yet. It is another, (laughs) it's another month for us. Um, Yep. We have a whole theme. But we want to get Black History Month out of the way because it's an important fucking month. So, <laughs> it wasn't planned that way, but I'm glad we get to base. But here we are. Yeah, we got arguably the most. Well, I mean, actually, quite frankly, I'm not going to do everyone injustice here. One of the most badass dudes in the 1800s. Easily. 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 But a lot of people out there were badass as well. True. And um, I definitely know his first name. And I'm going to let you pronounce his last name because because I'm not French, so, and neither is he, so. <laughs> neither is he, exactly right. So, so today, uh, we are talking about uh, Tom. We're talking about Tom Molyneux in the history of bare-knuckle boxing, the first American bare-knuckle boxing champion, it's a mouthful, uh, to make it over to England to compete for the world championship of bare-knuckle boxing at the time. That's what we're talking about today talking about today and you can see in joe's joe's uh right behind joe is is tom on the left there and yeah i'll I'll talk now just so the zoom can see me but yeah that's a it's a portrait someone did of uh the tom's most famous fight uh, which we will talk about as as we roll through the podcast yeah and it's uh the uh, only requirements are that uh you don't wrap your hands and you make sure that you wear old English uh, navy pants. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, pants. Flat. You know those pantaloon style ones that they don't make it past your knee very much because you got to wear socks underneath. Uh, <laughs> which they did still wear socks in the fight. I love that. No shirt, but you got to wear socks. Yeah, those pants. Gotta wear up. socks, and it looks like I think you have to wear dress shoes. Oh well, yeah. Well, that's shoes you know they didn't (laughs) (laughs) that's all they had it was either you wore shoes or sandals so they were to choose to wear shoes yeah 
Yeah. Which we would say today is is uh, leather dress shoes that can't be comfortable to move around in. Never mind, fight a man. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I do know a lot about shoes. Well, yes, you do. I have a lot of shoes, and um, no one's really made a leather shoe like that for like daily driving. You know, like, mm-hmm. like oh, this is the shoe I wear every day, like the Converse or the uh, you're an Adidas guy. Yeah. Um, Converse, Vans, Airwalks, fucking sure. Uh, uh, what's that other thing people do uh, um, with the activities? Um, Reebok pumps. Reebok pumps. Um, CrossFit shoes. Hiking Air shoes. Air Jordans. Air Jordans. That would be more basketball related, but I appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. um, oh, Crocs. <clears throat> Crocs. Definitely. I'm wearing Crocs right now, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But no one's making like a leather shoe like that that actually is like works for walking and running and going to Target. No, because leather shoes are really bad for that. That's why we we've designated them to dress shoes. And in the past, they didn't have any options for, uh, you know, the plastic and rubber and textile shit we can put together now. I think they would have liked to wear sneakers for this boxing match if I gave them the option. Unfortunately for them, yeah, there was no such option. It's true. It's also I know I get <clears throat> that this is a boxing match, but it is a it is definitely too bad that. Um, you don't get to get kicked in the face with one of those because that would be a real hole. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that'll that'll slap you into next Tuesday. The yeah. boot heel of my size number nines, which would be yeah. massive in the year uh, seventeen seventy five. Where we start our story here. They don't have uh, they don't have size nine in seventeen seventy five. Oh, they do, but people's uh, foot slash shoe sizes were a lot uh, smaller in the past. We're breaking records every year. Gotta love uh, eating enough food and having enough nutrients to grow bigger. Yeah, a lot of uh, high school girls' feet are larger than, on average, than a lot of adult men's feet in the 1700s. Very strange. Wow. Look, they'd like fall over, especially if you're on a ship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need those big <clears throat> paws. I mean, so they still I- they were still were adult men uh, feet, but yeah, they're just a lot smaller. Like they have to make new shoe sizes larger every year because the average uh, foot size of adults is growing worldwide, even in third world countries. Wow. That's something I didn't know. I, I do have to bring this up. I know we have a lot to talk about with our friend Tom here. But, yeah, sure. Um, good. But uh, there's this whole big thing right now. that's like, oh, like uh, our feet versus caveman feet. And like some dude decided, right? Well, there's a whole big thing that that is going on with you about it. I think it's fascinating, but I don't know if it's reached the public zeitgeist as much well, as. So we'll tell you guys if you guys are if you guys getting. Oh no, getting back to caveman feet. We talked about it in a previous podcast, so I'm glad that you uh, you hit on it. Yeah, one dude he decided not to wear shoes for a year and just do his fucking life and his. Toes. Yeah, yeah, we, we this is in the, this is in our podcast. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm not being paid to remember everything. I know you're not. I don't mind if you want to expound on it, but you definitely can't tell the story again. I watched some of our, our podcasts, older ones, and I'm like, I can't believe I fucking said that. So everybody, <laughs> just so whether I remember it or not, um, it's not, it's not a problem at all. Yeah. We don't even, I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm coming out of my mouth. Uh, you, yeah, you're the normal person who doesn't want to watch us talk over and over again. I'm the psycho who likes listening to it over and over again. That's why I remembered it. Not because you should have remembered it. It was mo- it was weeks ago, probably a month ago by now. Well, it's more fun to me for that to be like a year later and then then watch it and be like, wow, I, I fucking said, I'm like, it's like a different person. Sometimes. It's much better that way. I, I actually said that. I'm like, this is crazy. I know sometimes there's a couple nicotine uh things and alcohol and sure it happens all that stuff but but that's not what no no this is just because i i went through the entire that's that's why i remember it but that's not that's neither here nor there let's get into it let's get into tom molyneux and the uh, history of so um 
it's pretty pretty much a fact at this point that he is born a slave, right? That is right. Tom yeah. uh, Paulina, which makes it one of the best parts of his story is that he started yeah. with less than nothing. He was in servitude and he, he rises up through all that. But I wanted to start our story briefly on another person who was slightly ahead of him in the boxing game, just because when Molino's career takes off, he's the guy who takes him under his wing. So do you mind if I start briefly with the man who went on to be his, uh, his Mr. Miyagi, his Mick, if it was Rocky. And that's, you got it, man. Yeah, that's you Bill should. Richmond. Bill Richard. Sorry, Bill. Richmond. Yeah. Bill Richmond. Richmond from, from Richmond town, uh, New York is what they call it now. I don't know if that was one of the, the more wealthy men in the town, but at the time he was born there, born into servitude, Bill Richmond grew up in Cuckoldstown, New York. Great. It's one of my favorite towns. That's the name of the town. You can look it you, up. That, don't we know someone from there? Was it, uh, is it Don? Oh, Monroe, I know. Yeah, guess? I know a couple people from there. He's they from they make it very clear. Uh, They're yeah, from Cuckold. I know we know someone from Cuckold. We visited before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I think actually my, it might be on my birth certificate. I have to look it up. Oh, I, oh, I can't imagine. You're, you've been born there. I would, I would feel so bad for you. But yeah, you can still look up today. Cuckoldstown, New York. It's When you look it up on Google, it'll say Richmond Town. But Google knows what it, what it used to be called before they changed the name. Exactly. Back before it had such implications, it was Cuckoldstown, New York. Is that which is where you, Richmond was born. Is, it, is that when you grab like someone else's ball sack? Oh, no. It's yeah, when right? you sleep with someone else's wife and, and uh, you watch it. When someone sleeps with your wife and you watch. Because oh, you sit in the corner. and uh, Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Or I suppose it, it also works the other way, but there's a different word for that. Yep, okay, all right. Now we're on the same page. Okay, glad to know. Right. So I thought that was a funny name. For Everyone that. probably learned something from there. <laughs> I just thought sometimes you just call someone a fucking cuck because they're... Being yeah, well, that's the basis of it, though, being like you're the kind of person who wants to sit in the corner and watch someone else get down to business while you just sit there. Which, yeah, totally. yep. Naming your town after that, I'm sure that the word came after the town was already named, but it is, it's funny to think of a town <laughs> that's run entirely by cucks and what a town like that would be like. <laughs> Yeah, another even the mayor. The mayor is like, I don't know. Why don't you just tell me? I, I, you, I mean, what yeah. do I know? You know? Yeah, maybe we just have to talk about this another time. But, um, but I'm sure. But that would be funny. It either it probably didn't start it. It just probably there was a lot of people who were really into that there, and they're like, we're gonna call this new act of just staying in the corner. Yeah, we're gonna name it after the town and the community. Railed by somebody else uh, <laughs> after the town, man. Yeah, you could have. It could have been called being Albany'd, but now it's called Cuckold because of that yeah. town definitely funnier so and that's what so it is carry on let us know what's going on sure yeah so he, he was born and raised there he worked um which at the time the new york state had the most uh slaves per capita of any northern state uh, until you know when that didn't happen anymore and when he was uh the first notable story about the guy being a tough mfer is that when he was 13 he was uh, tasked to go get water for the horses and when he was out getting water from the well three British soldiers started giving him a hard time and talking smack to him and pushing him around and he and as a 13 year old boy he beat the shit out of three British men who were soldiers two of them awesome. ran away and the other one hit the hit the floor and he he supposedly didn't have a scratch on him and after he was done he went and grabbed the buckets of water and, and filled it up and w walked back to the horse. 
Like he just was like made a part of his day. He's like, these guys yep. are gonna mess with me. Boom, boom, boom. It happens. Yep. Yeah, and it, it turned out that he actually had a training within his community because as we get into the history of bare knuckle boxing, the mentality on how to do it or how to just fight in the street in general is different between communities, and that's why he was such a badass thirteen year old. That plus gotta have some balls. I mean, I can't imagine going up against a couple of adult soldiers and just going like, yeah, the three of you. I'm 13, not a big deal. I'll take you down. And he did that. And uh, he ended up, because he was so good at fighting, fighting for his his owner um, against other uh, slaves that were owned, which was a, 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 you know, a horrific practice that went on for years and years where people would just pit them against each other. You don't have Very a choice. It's Django thing to do, unfortunately. It's like Django, exactly, yeah. And it's not like they have an option and you have to fight anyways. It's just when you want to live or die or not. And they try to be cute about it by, you know, offering them rewards and stuff if they won to try to incentivize people. But this guy was a natural and he got better and better at it. He was so good at beating a lot of people that his owner actually put him up for the biggest fight of his life or anyone's life at the time. He puts him up against the best other fighter from some other sicko plantation named Abe. And the bet on the fight is $100,000 at the time. This is in 1760s in uh, New England, or New York, rather, America. Can you guess how much money that would be today? Uh, I'm going to take a wild shot at this. So $100,000 in 1760s, you said? That's right. Um, let's, let's throw out there a number like uh, $76 million. Okay, that is a lot. Yeah, you had the right idea, but yeah, it's two million dollars. <laughs> I mean, that's you it? know, that's it. Oh, come on, no one's that's gonna, it. No one's surprised about this. I am really I, overshot that by a little bit. You did, yeah, and that was on me because I left it I up. For, maybe I was a little high. Just a little. I left it up for a debate there, but I mean, this is on. This is not. This guy is full of state. He's betting this on one fight. He's betting two million dollars on a fight between. Wow. Yeah, and that's it. And but it was still enough that it was going to be he was going to be financially ruined if he lost the fight. He was so that's confident. where the term "cock" came from because this <laughs> fucking guy has obviously got some fucking he's cocked shit going on. Where he's got totally. he's, like, he's not satisfied at, uh, at bet. He's like, I gotta do something else to get hard. Like, yeah, I have to bet. You know, the, the value of my entire like, estate. You know, to actually on a fight, which. He only put him up there because this this other fighter, Abe, was so good that the guy was like, no one can beat him no matter what. And this guy's ego is so big. He's like, I got a guy who can't. Well, lucky for Bill Richmond, not only did he bet $100,000 in the fight, he also bet a purse for Bill of $500 if he won and his freedom. Yeah. Now that's some incentive if I ever did here. Fucking deal. So you got to take some change, hit the road. And what's $500 worth back then? About uh, 500000 <laughs> probably yeah i didn't do the. i didn't taking, do the calculation the, on that I'm just taking the calculation for let's yeah well, let's say it's, it's probably i mean if you if you if you're adding it to, to that degree it's at least five thousand probably like 10 grand yeah yeah that's pretty right. good that's some walking yeah, around I mean, money you can retire on that honestly um given the yeah price. No and also bill good. wasn't just a fighter you know who was you know picking plants in the meantime he was learning the trades and how to build uh how to work with wood which he goes on to do but anyways I don't mean to, you know, uh, lay the pipe too quickly, but he fucking wins. He beats the hell out of the guy and he wins his freedom. And then off he goes and he uh, decides, you know, America's not so great to people 
that are uh, treated the way I was treated and had to fight, literally fight tooth and nail my way out out of bondage. So he goes to York, England, where he continues to uh, get, you know, into fisticuffs. The difference between him and most other fighters at the time is that he had money. He was building cabinets for a living. He owned property. And most of the guys who are doing bare knuckle boxing are like dock workers or people without jobs. And they're, they're mostly poor white guys in England who want to throw their fists around and act tough and try to make it out of the slums. This guy, he was already sitting high on the horse and he was beating the hell out of these guys. He was like, I don't care. I got money, but I'm really good at doing this. And I don't want to make some more money on the side. So I just love that notion of like a, a business owner going toe to toe with like a bunch of uh, hoodlums to be like, yeah, I can take you guys. And he did. And he used to take people out left and right. Awesome. And another difference between like where he fought and where originally where he fought when he got there was they say things like, ah, oh, mate, I'm going to go put some shrimp on the barbie while we get. <laughs> no, that's Australia. Come on. <laughs> Uh, blimey you got quite a fist on you <clears throat> fist on you um you know man i i hope i was i hope my ancestors were part of that and yours too i mean um mm. we're part of that just that across crack. the like, uh little uh, of, ocean there we're a bunch of salty old fishermen in england who um just uh you know, or don't have jobs and go well I'm just gonna get in fights every uh whenever i can and get paid yeah just get in fights they used to collect money around the docks you know all the workers be like We'll pay the winners and the losers, and that'll guarantee the guys will fight and make some money. You know, not illegal. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, there's, there's rumor. I know, I don't, I don't know what Collins means in uh, Gaelic, but um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> but I do know that Reed is usually Reed Brown, Black, White, whatever, usually associated with jail. So maybe I just beat the shit out of people, or on the opposite end, where I just got the shit kicked out of me in a fucking. Uh, what kind of fish they usually eat there? Oh, I don't know. Like carp? Trout, and carp trout, yeah, yeah. Something, I don't know. Just I don't know, but... Uh, the ship yeah, you, yeah cool. you could it's be. Cool, yeah, whatever, yeah. So. You could be that. You could be an ancestors of those so. very folks, for mm-hmm. sure. And also, the guy loved to flaunt it, which I love about him, where he he was walking around. Uh, he loved, uh, you know, flaunting his money, wearing nice suits and walking around town with, with a, a white lady on his arm. And, and those British stuffy guys from the early 1800s, they didn't much like that, but... But he didn't give a shit. <laughs> he was like, fight me then. Yeah. That's what you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. You white cuck. Yeah, exactly. And he knew he knows happy. better because like, he came from cuckold town. Like, maybe he's the one who brought to England. He probably said, I'm from Cucksville. Yeah, which was where I all mean, you belong. Literally everyone there. It reminds me. You remind me of him. Yeah, yeah. He named the town because everyone was the cuck to him. Exactly. <laughs> he's like, that's where I'm from. Yeah. yeah yeah i'm from that place and those guys are part of yeah they're just like you guys actually they can't handle their own shit not the damn before so yeah i love that and um i thought this would be a good time to at least define like what fighting was at the time to be like what are we talking about here we're talking about uh, fighting and bare knuckle boxing it's you know even though it's still an underground thing like it wasn't sanctioned by government bodies it wasn't like sports today where they're like you know businesses run that they they're funded for millions and billions of dollars it was an underground event but it wasn't it was looked down upon like as like polite society but it wasn't illegal P- people were it was like part of the national culture and people were involved in it and it was like before things like soccer or cricket england was about this was the sport i mean this is the the 
the beginning of the idea of the sweet science and all that stuff about boxing was this boxing. And it was before the gloves were involved, the bare knuckles. And it was before any safety measures were involved because at the time, rules for bare knuckle boxing differ slightly in England and the United States. But here's the general idea. There's unlimited rounds. There's no end. And, there's, and the timer is only for each round. There's no end of the fight. How you end the fight is either one guy gives up or one guy gets hit so many times he can't give up because he can't get up or talk. That's how the fights end. That's it. Was there's no the end. when they thought like... Um... You have to keep breathing because there's a candle inside of you. <laughs> probably. They're probably yeah, still worried that. about that. There's a lot of stuff uh, your light out. Yeah, there's a lot of um science that was a little weird. But but that but what you said is, I mean, that's would be if we all were doing this when we were like 10 years old as boys, it would be the same rules. Yeah, exactly. There's yeah. the Lord of the Flash. Like, oh, you either say uh, you either get someone you get someone on their back and you go, give up, you pussy, fucking give up, you bitch. And they go, okay, nah, nah, because they're getting hurt. Or or they're that's like, exactly oh, it. Or they're just fucking out. Because now in boxing, obviously there's all kind of rules of what you can do. And this the rule was still for bare knuckle boxing, you can't use your legs, you can't kick anybody. But everything else, there was grappling, there was throwing. In America, they didn't call it um. Uh, boxing they called it gouging because it was so common to put your thumbs in people's eyes as part of the fight or to grab their ears and rip them off and that was all part of the fight that wasn't like you can't gouge his eyes it's like no you're supposed to because if you give up you give up and that's the fight the difference in england though was that they had this idea called bottom which it's all the old phrases are so funny it's called bottom and the better of a bottom you are the better a fighter you are and the idea of bottom is how much can you take? So if you're the bottom, can you take a lot of punishment? That way you're a better fighter. So they thought you were more manly in England if you didn't move at all and you could just take punches to the face and just keep hitting back. Barely, just basically be like a robot where you just stand there. And they thought that was how you box. That's the name of the game. If you don't do that, you're a pussy. And that's how you fight. And that's it. So all of the English boxers would just kind of just stand there and just take hits and just try to slug away with no strategy at all, uh, besides just being the toughest guy out there, which I kind of respect that. But the <clears> idea of being the best fighter, being standing still and getting hit a million times, I don't get how that makes you a tough, big man. But that's what they added. That's called bottom. Fucking weird. That is fucking weird. It's also a lot like the way that they fought wars. Everyone stay in a line. And that is a perfect <clears throat> point. Please continue that. It's a perfect it's, point. Let's all stand in a line and have rows and rows and rows. Then everyone shoots. And then whoever drops, drops. Whoever doesn't drop, steps forward and does it again until like, all right. Yeah, this is the rules. The Don't move. It's like zero strategy. Just this is what we're going to do. It's like, exactly. Just fucking fucked. You're so right, because if they fight wars that way, why wouldn't they fight in the streets that way? But yeah, what a stupid idea. This is the rules. We'll stand still and we just take it. It's like, what the hell kind of strategy is that? You ever been punched in the face? Uh, yeah, it's not pleasant. Only only one time, though, like a real, like, trying to hurt me punch in the face, and it is a wake-up call. Sounds like a good story. I don't know about me, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I was at a crypto show. We got in an argument with another group of people. Yeah, I take one for the team. I didn't win anything, but you know, uh, our side won because there's more of us. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it hurts. Not fun, and that, that is something to behold because the amount of punishment that these guys took, I, I even up against like the UFC and stuff like that, like it just it's no comparison because there's no 
thought of safety whatsoever. It was just work them into the ground. Like, this is it. I have read an interesting thing, though. I think your chance of severe injury is a little bit greater with gloves than it is with bare knuckle because with bare knuckles, it, you, you are at significantly higher risk of hurting your hand. That's um, right. So, so, so hurting your hand. So if you hit someone not as hard in the side of the head, mm-hmm. front of the head wherever it is, um, their brain doesn't move as much in their skull. So mm-hmm. their risk of serious brain injury is greater when it doesn't hurt the, the, the giver's hand at all. So yeah. Isn't that strange? There's a yeah, weird level I, of like a light wrap is okay, but a full boxing glove might actually do more damage. Like, yeah. And boxing gloves do weigh, they break, have weight to them. Break your bones here, which is going to happen in these fights. Um, mm. That's, that's like permanent damage that you can visibly see, but the brain is, I mean, these guys are all right around the board, all fucked and they probably all died very young. <laughs> right. Right. No, but the point you're making is absolutely true though, which I, I was unintuitive. I didn't know that going in. I was like, oh, these guys must've had all kinds of brain damage, but you're right. You have to have bare knuckles against people's skulls. Skulls are stronger than fingers. So that is true that you would, they, they would get beat to a bloody pulp on the outside and it would ruin them. Like I said, they would still get destroyed, but as so far fun. as severe yeah. brain damage goes, it was, happens more with, with boxing gloves nowadays because it has a weight to them and it doesn't have the risk of breaking your hands. So you're yeah, right. So you just go, I'm going to hit this fucking person as hard as I can. Cause it's not gonna hurt me at all. Yeah. Like, it's not gonna hurt me at all. And I have the added weight of the glove and my full momentum to just crack their head around. And that is yeah. true that, and that's probably why these, uh, bare knuckle boxing matches went so long because I don't think these guys weren't strong, but the, the amount of time these guys took punishment, if it was in a ring today, there would it'd be 10 knockouts. I don't understand. I could make it that long. It just, yeah. And, and if I was going to throw a punch at someone's face, um, hitting them anywhere above, above here is bad. In the skull. Oh yeah. You break your something. And then yeah, you're gonna break your whole you're hand. Aim, you're just aiming for the nose and the jaw because the jaw moves a little bit. Yeah, you want to hit the, yeah, the jaw and the nose. Yeah. Yeah, that's where you go. So these guys are, are generally just getting jaw and nose injuries and obviously black eyes and oh I'm sure the cauliflower ear too has got to be out of control with oh, out of control. punching the yeah. side of the head with I'm right in the ear just blasting you. Yep. You're yep. there. Yep, but yeah, exactly. so that was the whole idea of how they would fight. And it, like I said, it, it would only end when some person couldn't get up or the fight was called. The one degree that adds to the rules about not getting up is that when someone was knocked out, if they were conscious, they still had 30 seconds to get to a middle line in the fight, which is like the line of scrimmage they called the scratch. So if you were knocked out and you couldn't, you didn't know who you, who you were or where you were, but you could stand up and make it back to the scratch, the fight's still on. You get 30 seconds to get up and touch that. That's like the only rule that kind of resembles a real sports rule. Besides <laughs> that, go nuts. Wow. So Wild all these nuts. English guys were into the whole bottoming, which I think they're still into, and they call it something else now. <laughs> um, but but this guy, Bill Richmond, who is like the, the teacher of our, our main character here, he was using the style of the stick and move, which all boxers do now. Slip the punches, play defensively. It's a marathon, not a sprint and get it done and they thought he was a wimp they didn't like him they didn't like him for being an african guy from america who's a great boxer and they didn't much like him but the numbers speak for himself and this guy starts kicking the shit out of everybody who's just standing there just trying to take punches mate being a tough guy and the guy's moving around and they said that on average he was about 30 to 40 pounds smaller than everyone he fought but he won multiple fights Dude, over and over seen, and over have you seen the videos of so mike tyson had a fight a couple months ago and there's some videos of him just hitting, like the dude who's holding the thing, and he's just going, 
Oh this yeah. I think and it's like, yo, I don't want to be anywhere. Yeah, he's, I, I think he's I nearly think. 60 years old, Mike Tyson, yeah. but he just looks, oh yeah. That's that's great. Great. If, he goes, if, if right now someone's like, hey, Mike, I'm going to pay you or whatever, or hey, this is, he, he would do it just for honor to do a bare knuckle fight. Oh yeah. How about anyone else? Like, I mean, him versus, um, who's the Irish guy that everyone likes? Um, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Dude, Mike Tyson hits twice as hard as that fucking guy. No, yeah. I think McGregor would be, I mean, even he who's an egomaniac, he'd have to admit yeah. that if it was just a, a boxing match with Mike Tyson, bare knuckles, yeah. it'd be over. Mike Tyson's Conor McGregor a, is a he's, he's like a, a piston. His arm is a piston. It's a machine. It's not a, a piece of physical oh, yeah. biomatter. Yeah. Just exactly. <laughs> but he's but he's a boxer and Connor's a everything guy. He's more, you know, right. Like, yeah, he wants to get you on the ground and kick yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, he's like hit you with his fucking elbows or whatever. But Right. But overall, um, you don't want you just you don't want these guys fucking punching in the no, face. No, and, like, and these guys we're talking about, they were all uh, much closer to Mike Tyson than anyone in the UFC. I mean, they were all upper body. I mean, yeah, yeah. sure, they would grapple and they'd throw people, but there was no kicking, and there was all just raining haymakers down. And haymaker wasn't even a crazy punch; it was like the main punch they'd throw. Just put all your weight and just ah, <laughs> it's no strategy. It'd be unrecognizable versus modern boxing the way these guys are fighting and even the reason why they have their stance and all the pictures they put one arm closely guard to their or body and one arm up is what you just said dylan because you're much more likely to strike them in their squishy parts with your bare knuckles and hit them in the skull and you can hit a guy in the skull and break your fingers and it might give him a big headache and he can't see straight but if you hit him in the, the liver a couple times nice squishy parts <laughs> see you later You'll go old, down much faster that way with bare yeah, knuckles. Old, uh, yeah, and the old fucking kidney jab. I mean, there's so oh, many the old places, kidney. Oh, yeah. So many places you can just up up under the armpit. That's a place I've been punched. That's always that makes you that makes you shit your pants. We all know oh, that. It's it does. Fact. Yeah, I've never shit my pants that, but I've been punched. <laughs> you know, the armpit. They shit their pants. That's good true. spot to get fucking hit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the guy was uh, the guy became a like a, a, a local legend. And yeah, the more he fought, the more people were upset because he was not only, like I said, this, this, this black guy from America who was beating all these English boxers with the bottom and all their British mentality and stiff upper lip. These guys were running the world at the time. And this was a big part of their ego, like how they love soccer. Now they like boxing then. And it was not cool that an American former slave was going over here and jumping around, bobbing, weaving and beating the hell out of all their guys. So they nicknamed him the black terror and they put him up against the up-and-comer named Thomas Cribb. Thomas Cribb was a guy yeah, in his... In his story. Yep. He was in his early 20s. At this point, Richmond was in his 40s and was fighting 20-year-old kids who were beasts. This that guy, was Cribb, was, yeah. was working his way up the circuit, and he was one of the, the best boxers in the country. And they were like, listen, they're uh, uh, the Black Terror from America. You're going to have to fight a good English boy, Thomas Cribb. He's a young bloke. He's a big man. He's got the bottom. He knows how to stand there and take punches. And uh, also the people who see boxing and the boxing fans were called fancy. So, you kidding me? That's right. Yeah, they're, they're called the also, fancy. Like how you call the Beyonce's listeners the beehive. They were called the fancy. Weird. That is weird. Also, Thomas Cribb, that guy looks fucking ridiculous. Did you ever see his fucking picture? Yeah, he's, he's uh, if you look to the, the side of my ear there, there he is right there. Thomas Cribb with the sideburns. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a really nice spoiler alert on the story, but yeah, that, that is him. Yeah, that's that's a nice picture of him, but he has a um, 
he has another like uh, painted photo of him that's really funny. Like it really. Well, that, we'll put him up for the podcast for sure. I'm gonna put up all their fighting pictures because they all look so goofy. It's like the toughest guys in the world are like all they have like a mustache and like curly hair and stuff, and they're like, oh, put up your dukes there, buddy. Yeah. Also, his his early uh, Wick's uh, early life is the most English thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. Born in Wick near the, near the Hannam area of Bristol. Crib moved to London at the age of 13, and after working as a bell hanger, he sought work as a coal porter in Wapping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tommy Crib there, the crib boy from downtown Bristol. Move over here to Wapping, come here and go fight some some people off from the yeah, yeah. It's 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 good shit. Pop your jokes there, you bloke. But yeah, that was I mean, and he was a, the exact example of a guy who was a, a poor white dude from England trying to fight for the country while this um this black guy who they, they viewed as like, oh, you're less than us. He, he had money. He had his own business. And he was like, I'll get this, this kid's ass. He's half my age. I'll beat him down good. Hell yeah, he will. Unfortunately for our guy, Bill Richmond, Crib was a phenomenon. And he really had that bottom down. And he was his bottom bitch. He was England's bottom bitch for sure. Mm-hmm. And he, he, uh, he lost badly. The guy was a tank. So even though he had his bottom weed method, he was getting on an age and he just couldn't get the right amount of strikes in to take crib down. So he lost. And when he lost, he took it very badly because he was not used to losing and he didn't like this young up and comer uh, getting in part of his mojo. Um, and he, he, he kind of like moved on from there after he lost to crib. He's like, well, I can only fight crib again. Once you make it to that upper echelon, you, you got to fight the champ and crib is now the champ. So he mm-hmm. decided to take some of his amount, massive amount of money that he's earned, and he uh, he parlayed it into buying his own business. He bought, stopped selling cabinets, bought a pub, and started a boxing training center, uh, one of the earliest ones that we know about. And that's where in comes to our story, our main character, Tom Holland, his oh, first yeah, student. His first student. So we're wrapping up Tom Cribb um, before, well, not wrapping up, but he's going to be a part of this. But I do, I just, I just really need to just say that I just can't believe how many different pictures of this guy there are. <laughs> of Tom Cribb. Yeah. He was a national hero. Yeah. He was a national hero, but there's like, he's, he looks so different in every picture. And every single yeah, I wonder what he really looked like because he's like right on the cusp of when they had photography, but they also had paintings. It was like kind of weird middle ground. Yeah, I'm sure he's a great guy, but every single one of them is somebody that definitely has one of the most punchable faces I've ever seen in my life. I I think that was part of his his gift and his curse that he he had the most punchable face and he could take the most punches. Like yeah. God blessed him with a face that could take a punch, but he also cursed him with the most I mean, punchable face. That's almost like being a cuck. <laughs> Just sitting. I mean, there. Bill Richmond knows all about that. I mean, this guy's total. <laughs> I think he does. He's from Cuck, yeah. Cucktown, USA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just that's it's almost like the same thing. Oh, you just stand there and just get punched the whole time. It's pretty much just like watching your wife just get railed by. Um, (laughs) Yeah, she's getting tongue punched. (laughs) Fucking railed by some other dude. It's almost the same thing. Yeah, it's basically a one-on-one comparison. You wouldn't want me in that position. It's a lot more fun and less painful to just punch someone on the other end of that. Like they're that 
like they're that um punching bag that is the guy you know yeah yeah the, like the body without yeah. any arms that you like do like the punching bag on yeah yeah because it's it's a it's a two-way street for sure i mean it's like all right cool i'm gonna stand here and just get punched and be show you how tough i can handle physical pain mm-hmm. or you can be like hey i can be our buddy tom here and be like they're gonna do that and throw a couple punch every now and then but if i just never stop punching them this will eventually work in my favor <laughs> <laughs> we're both fighting the duration game and if i can just keep fucking hitting you in the nose yeah I mean, oh, that really is the... going to start hitting your spinal cord. So your brain stem somewhere back there. Let's just keep yeah. punching through. It. Yeah. So I'm just going to keep doing that. Um, and if my hand all of a sudden turns into just a fucking rod and I'm just, it's still gonna... all the better for stabbing you with, with my fucking humorous. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. So what a weird game of that, of those times. Just madness. Yeah. Yep, sure is. So, um, yeah, so we uh, we talked about... Uh, Want to get into Tommy Boy now? Tommy Crib. Let's get back into Tommy. No, no, Tom, Tom Molyneux, our, Tom our Molyneux. main character. Okay. Yep. They're both named Tom. It's, it's confusing. confusing. Um, so but I'm going to call him uh, Crib and Molyneux probably just to assume. Let's, uh, let's do that. Yeah, Molyneux and, uh, and Crib. So back in Molino, so we just we just cleared up uh early 1800s right uh no, early, uh late 1700s and we're late gonna 17. get yeah we're gonna get into the well but that was probably bled into like 1804 or something so here's the thing so 1809 Molino found his way to london where he made contact with billy aka bill richmond another slave turned boxer who ran the pub the that's our guy Kentucky. that's the guy we just talked about the whole time Bill Richmond. Right. So that was, I'm just saying that that was in 1809. Yeah. So I, I think that it's probably around a little bit earlier than that is when he lost to Tom Cribb. Um, yep. Yep. Cause he, it says like, it says on three December, 1810 trained mm-hmm. by Bill Richmond. Yeah. fought Tom Cribb at the Sheddington hollow in Oxfordshire for, yeah, that's the, that's the big that's fight. Yeah. That's the big fight. Yeah. That, so that's going to be like my second to last thing is, is that, yeah, that big, cause that's, he didn't have much after that, unfortunately, for the lifestyle he was leading. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Yep. So um, you uh, you pick it up on your timeline, and I will just fit right into that. I don't want to spill all my beans already. You can do it. Let's spill. Let's get the get in the beans. So you want to bring boxing? Let's get in the beans. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Or get, or you know what? Honestly, let's get right in the fucking bottom. Yeah, let's get right in the bottom. Let's not put foot around here. Yeah, it's a boxing term. I'm one of the fancy. So yeah, so that gets us into our main character of our story here, which is he's named Tom Molyneux. Now, of course, his name wasn't Tom Molyneux. He was named that because his last name was the name of his slave owner. His name was whatever his parents wanted to name him. They called him Tom Molyneux. And much like Bill Richmond, he made it out of slavery and became a boxer. He grew up in Virginia, uh, not from Cucktown. <laughs> <laughs> it's very important to know that. He was from a different town. And, but, he, but much like Bill, he also was a part of the, the, the fighting circuit, which he would be pitted against other uh, slaves. And, and, and much like Bill, he would beat all of them. But unlike Bill, 
he wasn't a guy who would stick and move and a quick little guy. He was a monster and he would just beat the hell out of people. He he was the British bottom, that kind of thing, where he just, he just wail on people. He actually had a signature punch that was called the hammer, which he would just take his fist. Is exactly what you think it is. He'd take his fist like this, you know, perpendicular to the ground, and he would just slam it on the guy's head like he was bopping him on the head of the hammer. Now, if any boxer did that nowadays, it'd be the most insane punch of all time. And it seems super uncoordinated, not technically sound. You're hitting the top of a person's head with, with the soft part of your hand. Here's the thing. It worked. <laughs> That's how strong he was. He would bop people on the head and KO with a big bopper. Hey, like I said, it makes sense, actually, because like it works. Knuckle, so you're, it doesn't hurt you as bad because you've got muscle there. So oh just, yeah you're right it doesn't break your fingers it just bops yeah but it's, it just seems so uncoordinated but yeah, you bop on that with the hammer it's very the hammer. flintstones uh type of move <laughs> yeah they get the big lump on their head that grows and they have the, the birds fly around it on the head it's really funny and but do you have his so i can't find the, how much he weighed do you have any because like 198 pounds i have oh he's he's five eight 200 pounds me yeah and joe, me and joe are somewhere between five eight and five nine no one knows yep um add that's a big dude who's all fucking muscle all muscle all, literally his only diet the whole time is mashed peas and gravy yeah and just work <laughs> <laughs> that's so what he, the human body can achieve when forced to yeah when forced to on mashed peas and gravy you can bop people bop a bunch of bottoms on the top of the <laughs> on the top bop those bottoms on the bop top those bottoms on the fucking top and it is ko city it is he he was raised in ko city virginia which he was born and raised yep and um yeah but yeah but 200 pounds is big it's i mean 58 was uh it's the it's the international average height for a man nowadays which means that most people aren't 58 it, it averages out but at the time that he was uh, born and raised, 5'8 was closer to the, the tallest people were. Again, to bring up the feet size, hand, whatever. And that time period, without all our modern McDonald's and uh, vitamins and everything else we got, people would not usually reach 200 pounds at 5'8. That was a pretty rare occasion. And Tom, even though obviously he worked his ass off to get that strong, he was definitely genetically gifted. I mean, this guy was gifted with being a, a, a solid brick house of a man. And that's why he was so good at fighting. Unlike Richmond, who was like trained himself to be a defensive fighter, Tom Molyneux was just, he was a natural fighter. You just fuck people up. You don't fuck with them. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I think that they call them shit brick houses now. That's... Yeah. They, they, yeah. Brick shit houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah. We're not talking about the chicken house. Don't get confused. But, yeah. 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 He's, he's, a, he's a brick shit house. He's building a brick shit house. And that's for house. sure rick shithouse for sure yeah 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 he, he worked his way out of slavery eventually for uh working for a uh, the liaison to england from america but this is you gotta imagine right now this is right after the revolutionary war because we're hitting 1800 and before the war of 1812 so britain is tentatively mm -hmm. hanging on the united states they're not huge about it but britain's about to abolish slavery altogether and the united states is going to fight a war about it in 50 years so they're pretty far away so he becomes basically the champion of the United States by moving to New York and just pummeling people to shreds. He ends up moving to England with his uh, the ambassador to, uh, to England from America and ends up making his own way there. Now, his plan right away, because he doesn't have a trade, he doesn't have money, he's just a free man, 
is to meet up with this guy he's heard about, who's a former slave from America, who moved to England and made a life for himself by beating the hell out of these British boys who think they're too hot for school, those bottoms out there. So he goes and meets up with our former uh, star of the show here, Bill Richmond, who started a boxing school. And he says, set me up, Bill. What do I need to do? Set me up, Bill. I want to beat the shit out of a bunch of blokes over here in England who think I they're sure do. I'm going to pound them on top of their head like it was their fucking cuck house. <laughs> I'm going to hammer, hammer them down. I'm going to hammer them down with my fist. And, and Bill is like, I thought you'd never ask. I was just <laughs> looking for yep. a guy like you. Yep. And if you're wondering how hard he can hit someone on top of their head, anyone ever see the movie Rollerball? <laughs> actually yes that's yeah. got uh that's got some crazy scenes in that movie it's the futuristic crazy scenes but it's also got somebody related to our buddy here tom molino oh man yeah i i definitely so, forgot that that guy was in it i had to mention this and right it has to be brought up it's got to be brought up it's got to be brought up uh bring it up I right mean, now a brick shithouse singer who is Probably five eight. I gotta look it up. I don't know. LL Cool J, descendant of Tom Molino, just like a girl I went to middle school was a descendant of Abraham Lincoln. It's like the same thing. Yep, that's right. And he's not joking around, folks. He is actually a descendant of Tom Molino. And not only that, what's LL Cool J's most famous song he ever did? Mama said, "Knock you out." I'm going to knock you out. I mean, he couldn't even have known that, but it's just Did in his even blood. Know then? Because he probably took 23 and me and then realized he's fucking. I don't think he took 23 and me in 1995 or whenever that song came out, but but it was something about him. Something he he might have said that, and then it was like he didn't even know until later that he's like. He, he knew I'm, later. I'm a, I'm a uh, you know, four or five, six generations ago. Back from Tom Molina. My old man. And yeah. he used to knock people out. I always thought. I was oh, Mama said knock you out. Yeah. Yeah, that's the shit. He's really into LL Cool J. Wow. That's cool. Also known as James Todd Smith. <laughs> no wonder he changed his name. It's the whitest name yeah. I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. James and, uh, Todd Smith. If you said that, that was in a novel it, honestly, for a white just guy. It's better the more you dig into LL Cool J. Yep, you're right, Joe. James Todd Smith. Um <laughs> Also known as LL Cool J, which is short for Ladies Love Cool James. Late, that's the LL. It's Ladies Love. Ladies Love. Which is the same for the and clothing, then, com- cool. the clothing company, then, Ladies hey. Love Bean. <laughs> <laughs> well, then cool, and then J is James. Ladies Love Cool James. Ladies Love Cool James. James yeah. Todd. That actually it ties together with the Abraham Lincoln because Mary Todd Lincoln and uh, James Todd Cool J. All right. So that being so, said, it put had some to flavor in our ears, Joe. I put some flavor in. Uh, he goes up and after meeting up with Mr. Richmond, he sets him up with a fight. This is before he starts training him extensively. He's just he's just housing him. He says, right, you want to fight? I know how to fight. And he sets up a fight with Jack Burroughs, another British bloke, um, to go in and fight amongst both of them and he won both of his first two fights that richmond set up for him the first one lasted 65 minutes it's the only one i've seen listed without rounds so it makes me think that they they weren't even counting the rounds he was just fighting them away 
Well, it's a and, long uh, time to just get punched in the fucking nose. I'm just saying. Like, it's insanely long. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I should have looked up. We'll put it up here. How long modern boxing rounds last? But we already told you about the rules before. It's just insane to go an hour and five minutes toe to toe, just bare knuckling this guy. And they would fight in like open fields and shit. It wasn't in an arena. You know, they would just circle around and go, "Here's the here's the area. Fight away." The average boxing length is about 5.9 rounds totally yeah. 15 to 47 minutes right so 47 would be the long the long, long version and this is his first fight in england it's a it's an hour and five minutes and he does win dude can you imagine that it's like so exhausting so like i um i wrestled for three years and the only way i can describe that type of activity because we all played basketball and soccer and fucking right but you're not struggling against other people you're struggling against yourself no, and, and and if you so it's the same type of mental attitude you need to say, hey Joe, uh, this is what you're gonna do to train. You're gonna see that telephone pole right there. You see that fucking thing? Go mm-hmm. hug it as hard as you can for three minutes. Don't yeah, let that, up. That's exhausting. the same type of mental strength you need to do boxing, or for me it was wrestling. Yeah. But you just hold on to something as hard as you can as wrestling. But boxing is the same thing. Just go punch that telephone pole for for. for for 45 seconds you go come on like that's fucking crazy like that's what it is yeah and i mean the the amount people can watch and and you see people running or see people throwing stuff yeah and it takes a lot out of you but try throwing punches for 30 seconds you're gonna you're gonna sound like you just ran a marathon like you're just gasping for breath you're using your whole body the entire time so multiply that times you know 100 and you're close to where that fight was ending an hour and five minutes. I mean, I can't imagine the exhaustion, the physical pain. I mean, just like you said, the mental toughness. You have to have like a certain mindset to even be able to start fighting. Never mind, continue yeah. it on. And no one's saying this yet. And I didn't I didn't read any of my stories, mm-hmm. but none of them were wearing suspenders. So no, 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 no. They were shirtless. That was the that was one of the uh the uniform things. You got to go shirtless. But it, that's a huge stress. So this is so let's just put paint the picture here real quick please sweaty no deodorant no fucking shit like that I haven't taken what what's a shower we don't know what that is haven't taken a bath in probably a month and a half maybe yeah more. we've seen parts of the caribbean a bath is like a like a luxury it's like eating caviar yeah like, rich oh, people do it how about you come over for a glass of champagne and a bath and they go that was the southern accent but <laughs> point, <laughs> point is made though well Dude, done. sometimes it just gets all confusing um as far as accents go like same idea thing, like oh come have a bath and a, and a glass i'll draw a bath for you in the in the loo in the water closet yeah, you come over here and um so you got that sweaty fucking ball sweat dude and then you're wearing these 100 cotton pants and they I don't breathe because i have a pair of wool pants that are very old and they need suspenders or a belt yeah just to keep them up rubber ain't a fucking thing yet i don't think they figured out how to make latex into stretchy shit so nope. So those pants ain't fitting good, dude. I promise. I know. No, this. they're not. I know they're not fitting good. If you wear a non-stretchy type of waistband, um, those those guy, that guy's worried about his pants coming down. That's why it was so funny in like Muppets Treasure Island. Yeah. yeah. Pants off because it was like when people people's pants used to just just fall, fall off back then. Like that yeah. was a, that was generally a concern. Like, oh, I hope I don't like getting have to run away from that uh and my pants hit the ground because yeah. my pants might fall off like unless <laughs> you're wearing the old fucking suspenders, Got you suspenders. gotta worry it's a constant fear 
constant mm-hmm. fear that someone's going to see your fucking wingy wang yeah you- and then you then you have a trip wire around your ankles and i think that they probably would like to wear suspenders just so for that case but you know your opponent can use them against you so if you if you're wearing suspenders they could just grab them and just slap them right up against your nips and then <laughs> that's a little stunner move so i, I recommend not even wearing them my favorite fighting moves of all time are the embarrassing ones, like you just said. Like, hey, the guy's in front of you running away, and you grab his suspenders and let him rip. Yeah, from like, <laughs> like a bowstring, just well, let him behind your ear. Right, his <laughs> back. It's the same thing. Like, there's one scene in Dumb and Dumber where um, Harry and Lloyd, and, and um, they walk into this fucking thing, and they're wearing one's wearing purple, one's wearing orange, and they're walking to. The I do remember the orange they suspenders. Have canes, yeah. They have canes. And I, well, Harry pisses off Lloyd, so, so, or vice versa. So he hits him as hard as he can with the cane in the ass. And it was very, it's just so funny. Like there's so many little things you can do that hurt really bad. That yeah, don't they look funny them. when you do it too. Yeah. And back then you could pant somebody. Like, Easily. No problem. <laughs> this is yeah. a, this would be a good fighting move. And again, like I said, pants. they're embarrassed. Their, their butt is showing. Cause did they wear underwear back then? Yeah. Well, they and wore they pants what they would call pants would be like an it's like an under it's like pants that are beneath your pants that like go down to your knees too where we would call them boxers which is kind of ironic or like underwear but they would call those pants and they would call what they wear trousers so they pull they pull their trousers down and then all you're wearing is pants ah. but pants aren't pants though it's your undies it's like saying like i pulled your pants down you all you're wearing is tidy whities they'd say I pulled your trousers down and all you're wearing is pants. I can imagine the skid marks, those fucking things. I mean, oh, like, good lord. Man, dude, you only have like two sets and you have no washing machine. Or no bleach. Anything. Bleach is not no at bleach, it. No nothing. Just those no. are a fucking mess. And you know, they didn't, they don't, didn't wear a new pair every day. No way. Definitely no. not. And it was not like they washed and then they put the same pair on. Nothing was getting washed. Well, and, and the, not their bodies the or the pants. Our friends here have. 15 times the amount of ball sweat those guys do, and they're covered in blood. Mm-hmm. Blood and... Oh, yeah, the blood. I mean, I can't even imagine the people, the cut man in boxing today where they kind of just, you know, have, made the swelling go down. There was no idea about medicine. I'm surprised they didn't bring leeches into these matches. These guys were getting beat to a bloody pulp. that You could barely see after, I'm sure, four or five rounds, never mind going an hour in five minutes. I mean, God dang. You gotta get a book. I mean, maybe they were at least... At least- I mean, peeing on each other after a wound? I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> I don't think so. Is it the same thing as getting stung by a jellyfish? Like getting a back then? No, you, yeah, no, I don't think that that was quite the case. I don't think they knew. I mean, this is the early 1800s. I mean, we're about 50 years away from the Civil War where they were still cutting people's legs off. So I don't think they really knew about uh, sanitation and antiseptic at the time, really. Or at least not enough in a boxing match. They couldn't handle it in a war. Yeah, I mean, just so you know, they're still cutting people's legs off. That wasn't just an 1800s thing. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's not in boxing matches. I, I mean, when back. when you get when you get a cut and you get infected, they don't they don't remove your arm anymore. But in 1800, it's either that or you're dead. So yeah, I've seen Master one. and Commander. I know what you're talking about. Oh, so, you know what I'm fucking talking about. You see that movie? Oh yeah, Russell Crowe. Fucking uh, I, I can't remember right. the name of the ship, but yeah, it's exactly it's around that same time period. We're talking about the same time. The Black Peril. Anyways, moving on. So, um, <laughs> the Black Peril, the Master the and Commander, Dutchman, the Black Dutchman. Dutchman. <laughs> Neither sorry, of those uh, are I mean, uh, probably the. Benny it's called Mary. like the Queen Marie or something like that. No, the Queen Mary's Blackbeard ship. Fun. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, 
anyways let's move on to boxing enough uh maritime yeah. history. no i'm glad you brought it up though because it is because it puts us in the mentality of like what it is like to be there because the whole crowd is smelling it too and they're watching the whole thing they're cheering yeah, it on fucking smells man it really does everyone smells i think it's like what it's like uh the incredibles everyone's super then nobody's super and i think everyone smelled terrible so no one knew the difference you just everyone smelled so you get used to it or you don't you know yeah, you smell a turn on for some of these people too um, oh yeah it was and, and as you mentioned earlier if if just one of them decided to punch the other one in the armpit they'd shit so they would have, shit and the fight would be over too. it's a fact go punch yeah, if you're listening to the podcast punch who's ever next to you in the car in the armpit see what happens. in the armpit like get him to put their hands up and then just punch them as hard as you can in the armpit, they will shit. Tell me, say, hey, I've got a game. Um, everyone's going to put their arms up in the air real quick, and whoever does the longest wins, immediately punch in the armpit. Yep, and then they will shit, and it will be hilarious. Yeah, it's the only way to figure this out. That was a thing. That was happening back then all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's why they would stand like this and have their armpits closed and have their fists close to their body, because if they put their arms up to guard their face, boom, right in the armpit, you shit your pants, fight's over. Yeah, and then you get scared, and then you go, oh, I made a mistake, and then they beat the shit out of you because you yep. because they made you shit. Yeah, um, they beat the shit out of your trousers, and then you all, all you have is pants. Yeah, you could barely stand in line at a coffee shop back then and have someone not do that to you. If you were in a coffee shop in the year 1805, and you and they said, whose meal is this, and you put your hand up, you would get punched in the armpit, and you would shit in public. Yeah. It happened so much. It just wasn't documented as much because the church documented most. Things. Well, it's embarrassing. People wouldn't admit it much. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it was, you don't hear about it a lot. But I mean, if you need any more proof that it happened, go ahead, have your friend raise their hand, ask them a question that's really easy and go class dismissed and then punch them in the armpit as hard as you can. And then you tell me what you smell. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Hear, smell, see, whatever. Yeah, hear, hear me now, smell it later. You know what I mean? I, I, don't take my my word for it. Read a rainbow. You and don't be embarrassed to have happen It's happened to the best of us. And don't do it to yourself. It's like tickling yourself. You can't. That's not how it works. You have to do it to someone else. Yeah. I know you're getting all cute with us here. Oh, I'll do it to myself. You won't hit hard enough. Yeah. You won't. Do it to right someone now. else and do it as hard as you can. They will shit their pants. Yep. And then who's you laughing all the way to the fucking changing station? You are. That's who. Yeah yeah that's it yeah so so the second fight he had after that one only won eight rounds he beat the ever-loving hell out of this guy tom blake and that fight was august 21st 1810 not a good name yep at apple bay near margate all the names of the places are so much like cuter in english that now if i should be like at the uh, costco arena (laughs) <laughs> and that back then it was the, the, the great fight at Apple Bay at Margate. Who could forget? Yeah. Down by the Fens. That's a better time now. Yeah, like you said, the Costco Arena or the or the, uh, oh, the uh, North Garden that always gives me uh, overdraft yeah. fees. And I, I'm actually going to go punch them in the fucking armpit any of these days. But don't know, forget about the Crypto.com Arena that's recently been named in Los Angeles. Crypto.com <laughs> Arena. <laughs> that oh, one awful. definitely will age like milk, I'm sure. Yeah, and I hope it fucking crashes because fuck crypto. I'm so sick of it. Anyways, I wonder if you can spend crypto on like beers and uh, pretzels there because if you can't spend crypto there, then where can you spend it, you know? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's fucked. And that was that. So yeah, so only with eight rounds. So we'd say that's probably much less than the 65 minutes of last round. He beats yeah, the shit out of this Jack guy. Jack Burroughs, then we got Tom Blake. Uh, and this is just for the record, folks. This is 1810. 
it's 1810 it's august yeah. 21st so it's after it's 30 days in between fights which is way less than the um uh yeah that's insane yeah. yeah the amount of damage i mean he probably still has swelling and he, he probably still can't move his jaw the right way but he's going to fight again and he beats him in less than half the time just beats the hell out of this guy so at that point he becomes the hot guy in town he's already declared himself the champion of america that's like being the best baseball player in Japan. You got to win in America now. But at that time, Britain was the America of the, the, the bare knuckle boxing world. So, yeah, you're the champion in America. You got to win in Britain. You got to win in England. And we got a guy, I don't know if you ever heard of him before, but his name's Tom Cribb. That's his what name's I Tom Cribb. Thomas. And he had already won the fight against Tom Molinos, his, uh, his sensei, his teacher. Bill Richmond. And before this fight, he calls out Tom Cribb and he goes, I'm the champion of America. I'm going to be the champion of England. You can't beat me. You're not going to beat me. And that's where we should get into the lifestyle of Tom Molyneux, because unlike Bill Richmond, his teacher, who was a guy, he, he married a white woman in England. He owned his own business. He owned his own pub, his own boxing. He was all set up and society hated him, but he couldn't give a shit. Tom Molyneux was a fighter through and through. He was super into spending all his money on eating delicious food, drinking booze and meeting up with the ladies and the ladies loved them. Fucking he, insane, dude. He's got it. He spent out. most of his money on prostitutes and alcohol and he just would fight his way through. Yep. So this guy was yeah. living la vida loca, living fast and uh, living hard, hard, fast. Living, and on, living on top. Living on Tom. Falling out for sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I had to bring that up because it comes up later. But yeah, so he's doing that. And uh, so Richmond sets up at the fight with him and uh, Tom Cribb, who is the guy. It's like uh, Rocky. It's like uh, Drago beat Apollo Creed and Rocky's going to have to go in and re- re- do some vengeance for him. So Richmond goes, hey, man, you got to beat Cribb. But here's the thing. You can't just beat him with your hammer fist and your, uh, your standing around mentality. You're going to have to actually like, learn the technical parts of fighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Richmond's like, but... The good thing is I'm the guy who's good at that. I made a whole career of boxing on sticking and moving and using technique and outlasting them and winning. And uh, Molyneux's like, yeah, yeah, old man, whatever you say. And he does go to train with them, but he doesn't take it very seriously. Half the time he's showing up late. He's ending up in bed with all kinds of pretty ladies, I'm sure, and having too much of the, the common drink of the common man there, the swill and all that. But Richmond does his best over that winter from August to December of that year to train him up because he, because Richmond knows what crib is like. Cause he, he fought him before and he lost and crib doesn't even really want to fight this guy. Cause crib has retired in that time between when Bill and, and uh, Tom was a fight, not because he was old because no one wanted to fight him anymore. He became the boxing champion and no one would take him on. So he had retired and he'd been living, living uh, large on the town and uh, being a national hero. But he couldn't resist the urge once Tom called him out and called him the new champion to fight him. So they go fight. They go the fight. fight. I was going to say down. that Thomas Cribb, before we can tear it, carry on, he was trained by a guy that went by Captain Robert Barclay Allardis. Yeah. Which was, was even a better boxing trainer than Bill Richmond. You know, the guy was a legend. And it's because his most famous feat, I mean, this guy – this guy lived for 70-something years or whatever it is. And that's and a long time back then. It sure is. It really is. And he he had his fucking army thing, whatever the fuck, no one cares. And he um, he was most known, not for his penis size, believe it or not, um, believe it but or not. 
for his, um, he walked a thousand miles in a thousand hours for a thousand guineas. And a guinea is a coin minted in Great Britain between 1663 and 1814. Yeah, it's like before the British pound. That's what yeah. they called it. Yeah, yeah so a thousand dollars, he walked a thousand miles in a thousand hours. Um, and yeah, dude, and I love the, the old the old timey words. They call them a legendary pedestrian, which I never put that together in my head. It means someone damn. who walks. Dude, so that he's was like the all time pedestrian. Yeah, dude, he, he is walked a thousand miles. Father of the 19th century sport of pedestrianism, <laughs> which just means walking. Yeah, I'm a uh, I'm a sport pedestrian. I'm a human who walks. I just I I when when you're tired, I just keep walking twice as far. That's what yeah. I do. Yep, I walk. I uh, do crosswalks, <laughs> cross streets. Uh, I go to malls and walk there. I walk anywhere you want. I can walk anywhere. He can Fast. keep walking. And I can do a mile an hour, which is actually pretty bad. It's bad, but if you go for a thousand miles, that's pretty good. No, but I feel like my average pace, if I were to walk, would be at least a mile, a 30-minute mile walking. So like two miles an hour. So he's probably just shitting his fucking underpants or whatever you call them, pants? Yeah. He shits his pants, but not his <laughs> trousers. And just walks really slow. I mean, this isn't even a feat besides a thousand miles. Well, that's what I mean. A thousand and a thousand hours. That means that, I mean, I could probably walk three miles an hour for a couple hours, but I couldn't do that for a thousand hours. At some point, I'd be walking like half a mile an hour, which would kill your time. I think yeah, yeah. that on average, walking a thousand miles in a thousand hours is pretty good. If I was going to yeah. walk 60 yeah. miles, I wouldn't be walking two miles an hour the whole time. At some point, I'd be walking like, very slowly even yeah, back then they didn't even have cliff bars or like those goo packets so he was just given someone just had to have he probably just had a water canteen and just no you don't do you think someone was walking with him i think he was walking by himself <laughs> hey sorry to break your heart uh, toots but uh, he probably just had brandy in a fucking cup <laughs> yeah he probably didn't have water just just a cup of brandy so then water didn't exist back then i don't know if you know this uh, i always forget it was that just brandy or beer yeah yeah yeah, yeah he, so a, he wasn't drinking water he was drinking brandy and yeah, uh, he keep, can just and then all of a sudden someone just said hey i might uh yeah, see you walking uh your pedestrianism uh here's a uh piece of toast with some beans on it or and some, he was like blimey that's me i ever saw blimey uh jerk me off six ways from Saturday. i ain't no bar oh but he was scottish though so he's like i can't believe it laddie just what i needed in this cold <laughs> foggy morning exactly a slice of toast and some beans you know i'm a legendary pedestrian don't you lord <laughs> dude it's that, was right. that him i feel like that was just a cut in of him speaking yeah i just i just yeah. i acted like i said it but i actually cut in a real audio recording from yeah him. it's a real actual audio recording of of our friend here um so um so that's who trained tom, Crib. tom cribb's trainer um just like uh yoda in the famous movie Star Wars, um, yep. Attack of the Clones, famous pedestrian trains Tom Crib. Tom Crib. Yep, uh, he's his trainer, and uh, yeah, that's when we get into our 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 pinnacle, our Super Bowl of bare knuckle boxing. It's the the legendary pedestrian and Bill Richmond and their two pupils, which are Tom Crib, the undisputed champion of England, therefore the world at the time, and America's champion. 
Tom Molyneux, the uh, underneath the tutelage of old Richie there, fighting for his sensei's honor, as you would say, because Tom Crew has not been defeated by them, and Tom's going to beat him. It was one of the biggest events of the entire year. Uh, hundreds of people showed up, and it was a five-mile walk in a muddy field, it was described, and it was pouring rain. So, in other words, any day in England. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Any sporting event, a five-mile walk in a muddy field, <laughs> raining down the rain. So, torrential downpours, it almost seems like a movie. I, I tended to believe that the accounts of the story are true, but it's almost too good to be true that it would be pouring rain during this you know, penultimate matchup between America's former slave freed and fighting for the honor of himself and uh, his sensei, Bill Richmond, and the, the livelihood of England, who running the world at this time. We have a, a well-bred boy from, uh, uh, where is he from? Bristol. And he's an Englishman, and we run the world, we run this country, and this uh, little white boy is going to win it for us. So there's a lot at stake, not just in the matchup, but for the country at large. It was meaning a lot to people, more than it should have, maybe. I mean, what else was uh, England and specifically London doing back then, or Bristol, whatever the fuck? I mean, I think subjugating other countries mostly. Yeah, there was entertainment wise, it was just alcohol. So it's like, all right, let's yeah. see what this fucking entertainment is here. And <laughs> it was like, either was... I'm going to get punched in the face or I can watch other people do it, but there's not much more to do. Yeah. Yeah. There's really just not. Exactly right. So the fight begins and it's Molino v. Crib. Uh, Mal- uh, for the bets, they actually still have the odds on the betting because obviously it's a fight. You have to bet on it. And Crib had four to one odds. Meaning if you bet a dollar for uh, Molyneux and, and he won, you get $4 out of that. It's a good deal. I mean, he, he's not supposed to win. People are even taking individual bets on how many rounds that Tom Molyneux would make it before he'd get his ass kicked. They thought it would be less than 10. You can make even more money to be like, if he makes less than 10 rounds and he gets KO'd, you get more money. And everyone was betting on it. And most of the crowd there, it's a hometown game. He's in England. He's got a couple people on his side, basically just basically just Richmond. And the fight begins, and it's described as maybe the best fight of the century and certainly in contention for the best boxing matches of all time. These guys go at it. These titans slugging it away, going tit for tat, using the bottom method, standing yep. still. Yeah, <laughs> Molino is trying I mean, to use the train. fun of it, but the bottom method is like no one's fucking around with that. And yeah, but Richmond is trying to beg Tom. You got to do the stick and move method. Don't just stand there. And Tom's dropping hammers. He's doing the mm-hmm. hammer punch. You know, you can picture that. They said within uh, the first 10 rounds, not only did Molino not go down, but the two fighters' faces were so beaten to a pulp and bruised and swollen that it was in, indistinguishable if you looked at their faces. All the blood and pus and the swelling, you couldn't tell. You can only tell by the color of their skin and what side they went to as the round ended because they were so just beaten to hell in the first 10 rounds. event where you don't just slay after you win a game. (laughs) It's just not even possible. Can't. Yeah, you can't even barely even see anything or talk. All right, I hope not. I mean, that's pretty gross. Well, you're supposed to save it up until after you fight, right? Even nowadays in modern boxing. Keep that testosterone. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. We were taught that in soccer in seventh grade. Don't 
everybody jerk off before our game tomorrow because you balls <laughs> hard. You know, that's that is terrible coaching. <laughs> that was what we were told from the coach when we were in seventh grade playing soccer. It's just I'm just stating facts here. I, I know, but it's terrible coaching. It's terrible coaching. And it shouldn't matter with soccer. <laughs> it doesn't even matter with boxing, really, but I, it's a superstition thing, I think, more than anything. Yeah. But I can see having more testosterone makes you better fighting. I'm sure more aggressive, whatever. I get it. Um, but even at that point in the fight, these guys were still going. It wasn't going to go eight rounds. It wasn't going to go 10 rounds. It was going to go much more than that. And we were about 10 to 20 rounds in when the most exciting parts of the fight start happening. Now people start to realize uh, Crib isn't going to beat him handily. Crib might actually have to fight this thing out. I mean, this guy is fighting him hard and they want him to win immediately. It's not like they want an exciting match to last a long time. Of course they want it to be thrilling, but what they want is England's bright star boy to beat the hell out of this guy. And that's over. We win again and he's a champion forever, but Molino gets him beat back into a corner, the corner of the ring. And he's beating him punch, 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 punch. And people are seeing it. Oh shit. Crib could lose right here. And it's only like, I don't know what it was. They didn't have the exact count, but maybe let's say 13, 14 rounds in. And the crowd gets pissed off. And they do the first part of this match, which in the modern day would disqualify anybody. The crowd starts charging into the ring and stopping Tom Molino from punching him. The entire mob grabs Molino away from Crib as Crib is in a stupor. He's in a coma there in the corner. They pull him away. They drag him off. They start beating him. And they even break one of his fingers as he as he's pulled away from him. The entire mob comes in. and What's the ref do? The ref checks and sees if Tom Crib is okay and then looks up at the crowd. He's not going to fight the crowd. He just goes, oh, yeah, it's a, keep the match going. Finally, they subside with enough time for Crib to get up regain his energy and get back into the fight first insane disqualification thing the crowd stopped the, he was gonna win the fight right then it was over it's over they knew it was over they freaked out and took him out and the fight raged on the rain's pouring down blood pouring down their faces they can barely stand up 20 rounds we're into 30 rounds at this point we're 30 rounds in and molino delivers a punch he starts doing the more of the richmond method Bob and Weaving, the conservative energy, gets a punch straight to Crib's face. Crib goes down like a sack of shit. Boom, he's down. Now, we mentioned earlier, you have to make it back to the scratch in 30 seconds or the fight's over. He's got no chance. He's on the ground. He's fucking done. Molino, you can't can't curb stomp because it's boxing. You can't curb stomp. Yeah, yeah. forgot i didn't mention one of the rules is no curb stomp yeah i didn't i just i i didn't know if anyone knew this i had to bring it up that's a good point because you you might be thinking that's when you curb stomp him why wouldn't you just curb stomp him so finish him finish him as they would say exactly easy but you're not allowed to curb stomp not allowed not part of the rules but the rules are you gotta make back there in 30 seconds and he's not gonna make it back and the crowd knows that so once again the crowd turns against tom molino and one of the crowd members accuses him and says, referee, he has bullets in his hands. You're like, what? He's holding bullets in his hands, so his fists weigh more. So when he's punching, he's hitting him harder. He's cheating. The referee goes, all right, all right, let's settle down now. The crowd's obviously going ape shit. This guy's accused him of cheating. And he opens up his hands. 
What do you think's there? Nothing. Of course not. He's not holding bullets in his hands. There's nothing going on there. But what that's doing is it's buying time for Tom Cribb to get up. And the more time the referee's bullshitting with this crazy conspiracy idea that the guy's cheating, the more time for Tom Cribb to get up. Tom Cribb gets up a second time after he's lost twice now, and he's still fighting. Because people can't stand the idea that Molyneux could beat this guy. And the fight goes to the 32nd round. Both of the guys don't throw a punch in the 32nd round. They both collapsed, but they didn't call the fight. <laughs> they dragged him back up for the 33rd round. It Sucks. makes it all the way to, uh, we have it listed here, 35 rounds of this boxing match. And it gets to the point where Molyneux's eyes are so swollen shut, he can no longer see. And Richmond calls the fight. Fight goes to Thomas Cribb, who wins yet again and retains his championship belt as the number one heavyweight champion of England. Molyneux Thomas loses the fight. Cribb, classic cuck. Huge time cuck. Oh, as what I always say. And it doesn't say anything about him and the ladies or the dudes. So you can assume that he's not hanging a hard one. Yeah, not not he's not pulling him in the way that uh, Richmond and Molyneux are, where they were Those consummate were ladies men. Slaying because they were um, packing a fucking punch downstairs. Yeah, and they were packing a punch upstairs, downstairs, and everywhere, every which way but everywhere loose. Else. Yep. So, um, yep. Yeah. consummate professionals, you could call. So them. Tom Cribb. He fights because because his wiener's small. <laughs> Either way, Crib wins the fight. And they're writing all articles in the paper. He's a national hero. We knew it. Crib was going to win. This American guy, this former slave had no chance. Britain reigns supreme. And that's that. But there was a huge crowd there. And people knew what went down. And there was a public outcry. And they said, which I agree with. I don't know if you do. But that Molina was robbed. He won the fight twice and the, the crowd robbed him. So he basically cheated his way to victory. Yeah, it's such <laughs> typical fucking bullshit for back then. It's so yeah. fucked up. Yeah. So people were upset about it and they demanded a rematch, which I think is only fair. I mean, it's, you know, that, that, that's not the way the fight really went down. He cheated yeah, his way to victory. Bunch of bullshit. So um, that's that fight. It's on record as Tom Cribb fucking winning, unfortunately. Yep, 35 rounds, though. Jesus Christ, is that a long fight? 18 December, 1810, Capthorne Gap, Surrey, wherever that is. Surrey. So the next fight, um, I didn't find the actual story, but I do know that his last name is funny. Yeah, I'll tell you the story, but please introduce the fight. All right, uh, on the left-hand corner here, we have Tom Molino. On the right side of the ring, we got William Rimmer. <laughs> ding 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 thank you for coming here to Mulsyhurst, england just outside of london william shire upon worcestershire upon oxfordshire in Mulsyhurst is in west Mulsey, Surrey, on the south bank of the river thames above Mulsey lock it is of course it is oldest sporting venues and was used in the 18th and 19th centuries for cricket prize fighting Rim jobs in other sports. William, <laughs> William Bill Rimmer. Rimmer. This is Tom Molina. Yeah, I didn't know it was, it was a, a place for cricket too, but yeah, prize fighting is definitely one of the yeah, fights. Exactly. Um, I do uh, need a quick commercial break. 
Is there, um, is there, uh, for, for everyone, is there, is there a difference between getting a rimmer also as a rim job or tossing a salad? It's the same thing, right? It's the same thing. Yeah. Okay. We're getting a lot of uh, sex education out of the way on this podcast. We're doing the Lord's work. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So, um, I'm glad if anyone didn't know that, um, last week we talked about, uh, bottoms and tops and this week we're talking about tops and bottom yeah yeah we're we're all figuring something out today so um a rimmer is also known as um on urban dictionary it says to pack a bowl with so much marijuana that it's high as the rim of the bowl piece or higher that's also known as a rimmer oh okay that's another yeah, exciting yeah, thing totally, yeah yeah um also um a rimmer is also known as someone who gives rim jobs Okay, now that sounds more like what I'm yeah, used to. Um, I mean, <laughs> I haven't never heard of the marijuana one, I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, there's there's actually, if you go on Urban Dictionary, there's um, a couple things um, on here. One, well, actually, there's th- actually, one of them has four definitions. One of them is someone who licks someone's asshole. Okay, that, that tracks. Two is someone who figuratively licks someone's ass, sucking up. Um, in a sentence, she reckons he's a rimmer, like a brown noser, as they call him. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, another one is um, uh, uh, it, rimmer tickling the anus uh, with your tongue is based on the word reamer, which is an object that shapes holes. That's stupid. That's one of those like fake word things where it's like, yeah, it's it's actually because of that. It's like, well, yeah, but also the rim. It's like, it's still, I mean, come on. It's still the rim, right? It, that's why they call it that. Yeah, there's, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that, that could still be true, but I hate those like classic word definitions where like, you know, actually it's because um the Earl of Rim did it first. Like, yeah, but also it's literally going around the rim. That's why they call it that. It, there's yeah. no denying that's why it's called rim. <laughs> it's the it's the circle that it's the circumference of like a rim on a car, a rim on a glass, a rim job. Yeah. it's the rim <laughs> that's what it is i don't care if it is a reamer that could be also true but it's it's the rim. it's on the rim. well i think i think so yeah i agree um but i think a really good definition is is uh one who enjoys giving rim jobs so much that they perform them for no charge <laughs> the privacy of their own home that's a rimmer that's a selfless hero in my book yeah yeah holding up society by uh no by charge God, yeah i love it um yep yep um there's Wowie. there's a, a bunch of different um rimgasms there's a lot of things going on here with the word rimmer so but we're, but the whole point is that i i guess everyone's getting off topic here is that people um, are definitely getting off <laughs> <laughs> So the whole point is that um, 
wow man they just they just get more you know it's it, you know, actually no one has ever said this in the history of podcasts and i'll be the first to do it and i just have to be honest with everyone is that um when you go on google and you type in a search term um after three or four different first searches it's all garbage yeah it's trash at that point urban dictionary not the case at all it keeps getting better yeah yeah um it, it's now we're into Rimmer for debt, which is um, on page like seven after typing in just Rimmer um, is when a person with an unusually large, long tongue licks, penetrates another person's butthole without their lips touching the anus. Wow. And that is also me. known as a long range rim job. And, you know, and it says in a sentence, if you were to just so you can really know, um, what it means. Yeah, can I can use it in a sentence. Yeah, in a sentence. Yeah, actually, yeah, actually, this is from, uh, f- this was submitted by Rim Jim Salabim in May, 20- <laughs> <laughs> May 27th, 2011. He said, I was watching the BYU game while Gene Simmons gave me a rimmer for that. Yeah, because he has a long tongue. Uh, One range right. rim job. And that's what this is. And I'm going to end this conversation uh right there because that's all we need to know about we know what rimmer means so once you hit the peak there's nowhere to go but down yeah i'm sure actually the thing is like i said google three or four searches later it's all garbage if i were to continue on it would just probably keep getting better (laughs) it's the opposite of diminishing returns so we're down to the 21st of may 1811 with william rimmer rimmer the 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 uh the the guy who inspired the entire conversation yep william, william rimmer verse tom molyneux at the thistleton gap oh he was at uh, uh mostly hearst oh, sorry sorry mostly horse sorry i can't <laughs> um, they're I all just, just grassy knolls I by the side I, yeah i i i i don't i i spreadsheets uh, i look at too much so i just get confused so it was yes sorry mostly hearst yep so uh so tom molyneux yeah yeah, it goes 21 rounds which is another another long fight but uh, as i said at the time not that long of a fight and as the crowd said in in the history books for whatever facts or truth as we can find in there uh, he beat the shit out of him after losing the crib he goes in to uh mosley hearst mosley hearst rather uh about six months later beats the ever-loving shit out of rimmer and he becomes the only man in England who's boxing, who's a feared fighter. I mean, no one wants to fight him, which kind of is like what happened to Thomas Cribb back in the day where he retired because no one would fight him. Now, Molyneux is the guy no one wants to fight. They saw him go 35 rounds against the all-time champ, and they know he won. Some people yeah. refuse to believe it, but they know he did. And then he beats William Rimmer handily. He uses his hand to beat the rim. Yep. He's, a, he's playing above the rim like Michael Jordan. And now people don't want to fight him. So his only hope now, as far as his fighting career goes, is to get a new fight. And who wants to fight him? Nobody. All his money he's spending on uh, living La Vida Loca, booze, prostitutes, whatever, 
he's actually getting money borrowed from Richmond. He's lending him money just to keep afloat because he's just spending it as soon as he can get it. And he'd be fine if he kept fighting, but no one wants to fight him. So now he's not earning any money. He didn't have a trade. He's just out there getting drunk and knocking people out in England, which at the time, not abnormal, totally legal. Now, not abnormal, not legal, but still about as normal as it was at the time, as far as I understand. And uh, he calls out Crib. This is the only chance. He has to fight Crib. No one else is going to fight him. Crib will fight him again. The, the whole nation wants a rematch um, besides probably the government, which is okay with him being the champion. But he writes an article in the paper. It's like an early Twitter post to call him out. And he goes, I'm the champion of England. No one else will challenge me. And if Thomas Cribb doesn't challenge me, then I'm the champ. That's it. I'm the former slave from America, and I'm the new England champion. And they can't have that. So they decided to set up to fight. It's going to be in September of that year. So we got May, June, July, August, September. So less than four months between him fighting Rimmer and having his rematch against Thomas Cribb. Now, Thomas Cribb goes up to Scotland and he begins another round of training with Captain Crunch, that uh, that guy who talked about the, the legendary pedestrian, his trainer. Yes, legend. And now people know about boxing and fighting in general that conditioning is half the battle. If you can't have the stamina to make it all 10 rounds in a boxing match, then you, you can't even step into the squared circle. But now take that and put it in the time where there's no limits of rounds. You can go 30 rounds. Stamina is even more important. It's all about how long you can last. If you can take the punch, if you can be the bottom, we get it. But you have to be able to stick and move and keep fighting. And Thomas Cribb dedicates himself for the next three months to building up that stamina. I can only imagine he's taking punches, he's throwing punches, and he's probably walking hundreds of miles with that Scottish pedestrian himself just getting that stamina in. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, absolutely. He probably said, so if I were to um, probably just recap the way this goes is, um, is our boy Tom Cribb said, hey, Captain Crunch. Oi, oi, oi. Our boy Tom Molyneux beat William Rimmer. And then, and then, then, then Captain Crunch said to him, all right, let me take you to the mountains, my boy. And when the mountains just like Christian Bale did in The Dark Knight. They went up like there. They fucking like Rocky and Rocky Four. Yeah, oh, Rocky Four, Dark Knight, um... Dirty Dancing. <sighs> yeah, all I, I I'm not. I don't even need to say any more opportunities. The opportunities. <laughs> but those three movies combined was like Tom Cribb going up there and and training for for weeks on end. To Bring go beat Tom Molyneux in the same face because he knew that Billy Bill Bill Will William Rimmer, the famous, Rim Boy, famous for inventing the term Rimmer on Urban Dictionary, was defeated at mostly Hiss. That's right. He cannot lose this fucking fight. So he went up there. Exactly. He England played. is still resting on his shoulders even now. Will exactly. And William Rimmer trained. Sorry, not William Rimmer. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> no, you know, Rimmer's done. Yeah, William Rimmer is out the fucking out the ass. 
Um, <clears throat> He's a footnote in history that's more famous for a sexual act than his real name now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. It's a shame. So, um, Tom Cribb, he might have invented it just like cock. I mean, a lot of words here. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things invented because because of Tom Molyneux beating people's ass and mm-hmm. like pounding their ass with the fucking hammer dog. Hard. He's, he's pounding those bottoms hard. Yeah, big time after slaying all the British chicks. Super good opportunity. Um, Legendary. William Rimmer lost his his match in 21st of May. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't, then Tom Molino didn't fight Tom Cribb again for another June, July, Just did August, it. September, four months later. So, <laughs> yeah. so Tom Cribb had four months to go train the mountains. Mm-hmm with mr miyagi to yep. go um to go beat tom molino so joe let's pick right. it up in september 20 and in the meantime tom molino had just been in a fight and crib hadn't fought since their last fight so he was all rested up and recovered and molino like you said only four months away he just had had another fight and how does he spend his time training crib, crib is up in the highlands of scotland doing pedestrian walks and yep. and molino is where he and likes to be ass looked out by a bunch of british chicks exactly <laughs> he's not training at all <laughs> richmond is pissed because richmond knows how how he should have won the last match and he has the he has the inborn talent but not the motivation and not the skill set uh to actually if he used richmond's method of fighting and he had his physique he would be he's he's convinced he'd be crib no problem that would be it it'd be over yeah uh, but he decides to yeah yeah, I'll keep drinking, keep drinking, here. keep whoring around, you know, you know, spending time with, you know, all kinds of the British chicks that are all about him, which, you know, I'm not knocking him for it. But if you want to win a fight for the world championship of uh, bare knuckle boxing, now is not the time to be drinking booze and uh, say, uh-huh. ladies. Maybe one of my ancestors was this was his trainer and said, dude, be confident, be a leader, get Go fucking slay, drink beef eater. That's yeah, right. yeah, exactly. And don't be a cuck, which he could learn from his Mr. The only rule is no matter how hungover you are or how much your butthole gets hurt from getting rim jobs from all the hot British chicks here, yeah, show up fight. for practice in the morning. Yeah, to show up. And he wasn't That's showing up for practice. No he one was knows he was this. showing up late. He wasn't showing up at all. It was terrible. But no one knows this. Is it, hangovers, dude, I've powered through a lot of them. And um and that's serious strength. It's almost the same thing as being a rimmer. No, a, a, um, a bottom. bottom. It's like being a bottom. It takes mental will. doesn't matter. Show up. You'll get through it. It'll be hard, but you'll get through this. So if you go out and you just, your thing is horse because it's the 1800s, totally mm-hmm. cool. No judgment, all fine. Just you got to show up on game day, though. It's the fucking ring, uh, whatever, they, whatever they call it in dodgeball. Um, in the morning, time for fucking practice. Don't skip practice or else I'm come there and fucking blow the frame off your fucking rim. And, um, <laughs> you know, that's what I would do as a coach. Those lug nuts out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately for us, uh, the hero of our story, Tom Molino, did not take that advice. He didn't show up. He didn't practice. And, uh, and Crib did. And even though Crib is now much older than Molino, because let's not forget, he fought Molino's trainer. So he's been around for quite some time. He's been retired twice. Yeah, guys, yep. He's coming out of retirement again, and he's putting in the work. And they show up for that fight in Thistleton Gap, which is what you can see behind me here, an artist rendition of what happened there. Thistleton Gap. And it was uh, 20th September, the rematch, Crib versus Molino. 
And to prepare for the fight, we've already mentioned what Crib did. And the day of the fight, Molyneux's preparation was to drink a tall glass of beer and eat an entire apple pie, which I get that at the time. I can see there's some debate, but now that we know about uh, fight science and nutrition, probably not the best way to prepare for a, uh, a heavyweight bout is to drink a tall glass of beer and eat an entire apple pie. But, uh, you know, who am I to say? Yeah, and for those of you who don't know where the Thistleton Gap is, if you've ever th- if you've ever flown, and into- most people do know, but please, for the people who don't, let's you know at least mention it. If you've ever flown into Heathrow Airport, where the Concorde used to land, um, it's fucking nowhere near there, and that's all you need. To know. <laughs> it's by a body of water somewhere in England. It says it's in the most northerly village in the county of Rutland, which is a civil parish, and no one knows what that means. In the East Midlands of England, sounds like a desert, but it's not. So East Midlands. The population gotcha. of the village at the 2001 census was 99. Wow. So it's uh, it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's pretty much where they make scotch in Scotland, but it's in England. <laughs> yeah. The it's best way to describe where Thistleton is. The Thistleton so, Gap. So Tom Cribb. Tom Melano, no. It's Tom versus Tom again. Yep, Tom versus Tom, and no William Rimmer this time. No Rimmers. No Rimmers. Only bottoms. Yep, no cucks, no Rimmers. Uh, only one bottom. Only one bottom, exactly. One fight, one opportunity, one chance to make it happen. One smoke, so- one shot, one bear. And there it is. There's the fight. It's the rematch that the, the country's been clamoring for. Richmond is hoping that this will be his his comeback, his new student that should have won last time. This is the rematch we're waiting for. I mean, Cribs getting older. Uh, Molyneux should have won last time. And then hopefully this time, because of the controversy last time, they won't let the crowd come in and attack the fighters during the match. But unfortunately, you got to show up. Here and, we go. Uh, didn't show up in only 11 rounds, which would be a record for heavyweight fights nowadays. At the time, it's barely anything. Molyneux's yeah. throwing punches in the first couple rounds, but Crib has spent his time with Captain Crunch learning how to have some stamina, and he's yeah, taking it seriously. Yeah. And he, uh, as you can see behind me here, that's Crib throwing the haymaker on uh, Molyneux there, and Molyneux loses the fight. This time, it's not up for debate. Molino lost handily. Huge bummer. Yeah. Yep. That American freed slave who's, who was the uh, the pride of Richmond. Um, ironically, not Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> He's from Virginia. But yeah, he, he lost the fight. And uh, Tom Cribb is still the champion of England. And the English people couldn't have been more happy about it. And that that more or less ends the tale, the, the exciting and thrilling and sad tale of Tom Molyneux. He went on to continue to fight because that's the only way he can make money. The only way he can make money is to to keep fighting. So although Richmond wasn't uh, as keen on having him as a student after that, he was still an associate of his. So instead of being promoted by Richmond, uh, Molyneux goes on to to roam the countryside of Northern England and Ireland, um, obviously drinking himself along the way and letting the ladies know who's in town, um, yeah. but still fighting. Dylan, do you want to fill us in on his, uh, his, his 
final fights of his career. Yeah, he got two more fights in his career on document. So he went five, three, and one. Still a good good record. And back then, again, sure. this is not like a every week thing. This is a every six months, if not every once a year thing. So also there's no such thing as sparring. There's no training oh, fights. Yeah. When you fight, you're fighting. Fucking That's it. And he's fighting on his uh, off the clock, as it were, at bars on the street, wherever. Yeah, he's just like Spider-Man's dad. So, um, just like Spider-Man's dad. I don't know what that means, but I agree with you. The first Spider-Man that came out in 2001, where Dashboard Confessional had that song, that one. Yeah, but Spider-Man's dad didn't fight though, because his dad. No, didn't. his dad was a boxer, and he got shot in the street. Remember? In the no. first good Spider-Man movie. Uh, Uncle Ben. Uncle, uh, his uncle yeah, uncle ben yeah yeah i hear you i hear you saying that we spread that circle yeah, that was that was queens and he was a fighter he got shot fucking whatever yep um, yeah the man spider they called him yeah yeah there we go <laughs> bone so, saws ready <clears throat> r.i.p macho man ready savage sorry go ahead so um the next fight didn't happen until two years later and it was in the april 2nd 1813 and uh, it was a fight against Jack Carter, went 25 rounds. And I promise you that we're the only podcast that has ever fucking existed that can pronounce the location because we're from fucking Massachusetts and fuck you. So yeah. um, anyone else who's from Ohio or- <laughs> I mean, all of New England LA, is just weird English LA names. Or Texas or wherever mm -hmm. they fucking are. No one knows the location except for me and Joe. So we're gonna tell you right now. Jack Carter, April 2nd, 1813, in Remington, Remington Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one else has said because I've heard Gloucestershire. So I'm going to go Gloucestershire. You know, mm -hmm. nope, it's Gloucestershire. Um, and uh, guess who won? Our fucking boy, Tom Molyneux. Molyneux's back, 25 rounds in, and he wins the fight. 25 he's rounds. Not, I mean, he's not training any harder, but he hasn't given up. He can no. still fight. He's still slaying. He's still getting rim jobs from chicks. He's still drinking. He's still uh, he's still in the bottle with some Newcastle, whatever they fucking had back then. And um, so the next two fights were against the same guy, William, aka Bill Fuller. Full of not to be confused people. with Will Rimmer. This yeah. is Will Fuller. True. Yeah. Fuller yep. House. Yep. R.I.P. Bob Will, Saget. Will, Will or Bill Fuller, um, instead of being full of rim jobs, he was full of shit because he kept getting. <laughs> a uh, fucking loser fest um i don't even know how they draw it in the first one it's a very short match even for modern day boxing there's only four rounds the draw well i can tell you how it could have been a tornado earthquake uh tsunami, active gad uh active shooter um <laughs> <laughs> imagine an active shooter back then they have to reload the musket they're like you guys better start yeah, running so ship us boxing around um could have been um it's like my mom doesn't understand me because when i was born she she died but but uh yeah but that. i still i still hate hate the world and i must yeah, uh, go to my a, local a, schoolhouse uh, and fire a musket ball up into the uh the, the sister yeah exactly that's exactly probably what happened joe um so all of that um or maybe even the the box the boxing ring the floor fell through because mm -hmm. fucking william rimmer fucking fat balls were too heavy i don't know but like who knows um, but uh this was so the first one was in 27 may 27th 
Yeah. So you have to imagine that they, they, they called a draw because the fight was, there's something stopped the fight because only three days later, they have another fight with the same people. So I actually wouldn't even count the draw. I, I would take that out of their record if it was me, but unfortunately I'm not the knuckle boxing representative, but I would say his record shouldn't even say the draw because the draw, it shouldn't be counted. It should be disqualified because here's the next fight. Yeah, well, exactly. So the next fight, uh, same thing, William Bill Fuller, um, uh, like I said, five days later, 20, 20 30, 31, four, four days later at uh, Oshinau, which is the first town I've ever heard of that sounds like Auschwitz. That isn't. Um, and um, <laughs> and uh, no, literally, there's no town ever in the world that starts with Osh. Name one, Joe. Auschwitz. Well, it's not a town. Auschwitz was a horrible fucking concentration camp. But I've never heard of a town that actually starts with Osh. Oh, um, Australia. It's spelled differently, though. <laughs> no, you're totally right. There's nothing else. That's the only one. A-U-C-H-I-N-E-U-X. Auschnau. Auschnau. Austria. It was like a, yeah, but Austria, same thing. There's no C-H. Auschwitz. Yeah. No, it's, it's yeah, Auschwitz and Auschen, Auschenau are the, are the only ones. Yeah, so fucked up. So anyway, so um, as expected, uh, Tom Molyneux beats the fucking rim job out of this fucking guy. In the shortest yeah. boxing match, not only of his career, but any any bare-knuckle boxing oh, I looked into, time. it's the shortest one maybe of all time. Two rounds? It's nothing. Two rounds. Yep. Beats him in two rounds after a draw, which makes me think that William Fuller is kind of a bitch, and he he was kind of like waiting to draw it out, but really, yeah, you got to. Now you're waiting four days and then two rounds in, you already lose. I mean, you're yeah, already gonna for, lose. For all we know, he claimed that in 1814, he, uh, they're in a fight. He already knows he's getting his fucking shit beat out. Like some of our friends we grew up with, who like are just bad losers, and mm-hmm. they go, "Whoa, there's an asteroid coming!" And you go, "What?" And they have to draw the round because no one knows shit yeah. back then. Oh, my mom's calling me. I got to go home. This doesn't count. Oh yeah, this doesn't count. Sorry, I gotta go. And then you're like, all right, well, I'll see you in a few days. And um, then you go there and you go, this kid can't bitch out right now. And you just go pound his fucking ass in. And, and he uh, did. And he fucking did two rounds. That is that is literally like a eighteen year old versus a twelve year old. Like, let's just fucking it's over this fucking guy. Yeah, and another day, he, he went down by TKO. I mean, he went down like the rules we we're talking about. He got his ass kicked, so he couldn't fight anymore. He had to give up. That's it. Yeah. Yep. So that guy sucks. Um, and then, um, so uh, about a year later, um, our boy Tom Molyneux, uh, fucking heavyweight, fucking kick-ass dude, fight, decides to fight a guy named George Cooper. Sounds pretty um, like a George Cooper can kind of picture this guy um at oh, hill lanarkshire i haven't been there lancashire i think it's called or lancashire no right? it's late la oh it's Le- yeah yeah it is it's, it is lanark lanark lanarkshire yep in another respectable on average bare knuckle fucking beat ass ding 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 george cooper and I don't have any details on this. It could have very, it could have been a very round one Tom Crib fucking bitch ass pussy fight where George Cooper pushed out and um, the crowd came in and beat the shit of uh, uh, our friend Tom. We don't know. 
But yeah, um, yeah. I imagine that a lot of these losses could have probably possibly been. It's hard to say. Yeah. Cause unfortunately we only have the records that people wrote in papers and things at the time, because there's no obviously recording of it or there's no sports entity that like records records. I mean, this is all historians having to go and tear through primary documents and then be like, Oh, what's the record? Like we only know the records of these boxers because of the fact that historians went and looked back at these diaries and letters. It wasn't like there's the bare knuckle boxing NFL that has like, Oh yeah, here's a, uh, here's Tom Mullen's record. Like you had to, it's only retroactively we look at it and be like, okay, this is what happened. So it's all very hazy. You kind of have to trust the material at the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. History was written by the victors. And back then it was the fucking white people who didn't want to look bad. Exactly. So, um, yeah, this dude so was lost. a fucking badass. I mean, it was fucking awesome. So, so, um, so uh, that's his fighting career. It really only lasts like five years besides bar fights. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the uh the strongest fires they burn the brightest but they last the shortest it's fucking true man while pouring gasoline on fires he's the gasoline so he's the his, gasoline. Uh, his prize fighting career ended in 1815 however he, he decided to just keep doing sparring and exhibitions and after his visit to scotland he toured ireland where he um suffered tuberculosis <laughs> well i heard this from another podcast so i need to cite my source but uh it's a good point no one ever went to ireland to get sober so uh he didn't stop drinking when he went to ireland yeah that way fact yep so uh yep that's something that happened and um it says he was in a debtor's prison somebody he owed money is a prison yeah he owed money to richmond yeah he uh, he borrowed all that money from richmond and he never paid them back I get that. No problem with that. Um, yeah. And then after that, he became just like you said, uh, increasingly dependent on alcohol. Yeah. And I mean, he was a young man too. He was 34 years old. Was 34 when uh, he was being friend. taken care of in Galway, Ireland. Uh, he made it at least to Galway, which is probably like as cl- closest to a bullseye you can get. I know that, that's more of a West either way, West of Limerick. He hits Galway and he goes, oh, I'm going to keep drinking and fighting people at bars. And he gets taken care of by Galway's 77th Regiment, which is a military regiment. And yep. there's three uh, black soldiers who are living there and they take him in because they know who he is and they see he's on hard times. And they let him live in a, a storage closet or a broom closet uh, to stay in. Man, it's never had easier for this guy. He had a good, good reign of like fame and then lives mm-hmm. in a storage closet i mean that's uh, hard way to go and he ends up uh you know. unfortunately passing away from it. their spirits got to him and he uh he died there in the closet there and uh, his friends went back to see him and he he couldn't breathe three sheets of the wind the boy i couldn't stand it the lord took him up 34 years old At 34 i can't believe it he's a young man so much promise but yeah and he died at 34 yeah, too young. That is fucked up. But his, uh, as they say in um, in uh, Sandlot, heroes are remembered, but legends, legends never, die. never die. Yeah, exactly true. I mean, especially coming from a, a, a 
bondage and slavery to, to rock the world this way. We're still talking about him. He struck fear in the hearts of the most powerful empire in the world. They couldn't stand the idea of him beating their champion. And he did, and he did beat him. <laughs> they just cheated to win. And yeah. the second time he did lose, but I can hardly blame the guy for having a, a crazy weird life. But after that, Richmond, uh, Richmond continued on. And he was like the example of the first Tom Molyneux. He didn't have the physical talents, but he had the mental talents and the skills. And he fought until he was 55 years old, culminating in a record of seven and two, I believe. So Richmond, who lost to Tom Cribb, ended up being 17 and two. I'm sorry. He had 17 wins and two losses in in his career. That's a good fucking, it's a good number. And he he was fighting well into his fifties against these young guys who didn't know how to bottom, you know? Yeah. And not only did he continue to uh, foster new fighters, uh, he actually ended up becoming good friends with none other than Thomas Kriv. They got later in life. It's almost like the enemies that fight and they cut their teeth in the arena. And as they get older, the respect for each other grows. And yeah. uh, they ended up being very good friends. And Tom Kriv bought his own pub, much like Richmond already had his. Still there Tom Kribb started doing the same thing and, and yep. they, uh, yeah, they were friends until uh, later life. And I would never picture this going into the story, but Bill Richmond actually died in Tom Cribb's bar. That's Got how it. good of friends they were. It wasn't a freak accident. He just, that's where he lived half the time and he happened to die there. So Bill Richmond, who started our story, his arch rival, Tom Cribb, who was put up against his Daniel son, his karate kid. And they end up being great friends. And um, Thomas Cribb obviously spoke at his funeral. He thinks I was a great guy. And, and definitely one of the most important people when it comes not only to bare knuckle boxing, but being a pre- precursor to uh, the boxing we know today. A legend. Like great life. You die your friend, you die your best friend's bar, man. That's fucking cool. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. That's about it. So that's it, folks. Um, <clears throat> that's the most badass box that ever lived. Tom Molyneux lived, started off a slave in Virginia, a shithole mm-hmm. back then, and uh, made his way and then also took a fucking boat to England and yep, yep. Uh, blew people's fucking frames off their assholes. He was a real rimmer. A real rimmer. Breaking, breaking that rim right out of the frame. So, <laughs> And there was a bare knuckle boxing hall of fame that was established in Belfast, New York. Yep. It was established in 2009. So we were uh, juniors in high school and this thing was established, but you better believe who's in it. Not only Tom Molyneux, but Bill Richmond and Thomas Cribb, they're all in it. And with good reason. Yeah. With good reason. And they didn't allow Bill Rimmer in or Tom Rimmer. Uh, Rimmer didn't make the cut. I don't know how many wins the cut because he was he was uncut he was uncut some people are all nuts and people are just hitting the rim he was hitting the rim so final thoughts yeah final thoughts um this will be cut this will part will be cut you go first (laughs) 
<laughs> my final thoughts on Tom Molino. I think it's a really cool story. I love the idea of, um, first of all, everyone loves a good underdog story, but this is beyond underdog. The guy pulled himself up by his bootstraps times a million. I mean, the amount of gumption you don't only just have to have to travel overseas with no money, hoping that, like, I heard about this guy, I'm pretty sure. I mean, if I don't text somebody three times before I go on a date, I feel like they're not showing up. And this guy was taking a ship overseas on the hearsay of people he trusted to make a career on punch people in the face and getting punched. I mean, it takes a lot of guts and a lot of gumption. Never mind the fact that you're a party hard um, former slave from America and British society is not too happy to have that as part of it. So I think that the guy faced a lot of uphill battles and um, him and Richmond really show that even when the whole world's turned against you, if you can fight that hard and be that smart, you can kick their ass and you can show everybody that uh, you're made of some stronger stuff than they are. And I think it's worth mentioning even now about 200 years later. Oh yeah. My only thoughts are, I just wish that I knew his thoughts when he was uh, chilling on the side of that boat, which is probably made of wood with some sails and going, I'm going to spend the next uh, 90 days hanging on the side of his boat. Cause I'm going to go beat the shit. A bunch of white British dudes. <laughs> just, just I going. love the idea of getting there and having a, You're just going, <laughs> just going, yep. The only reason I'm doing this is because I'm just going to go there and beat the shit out of people. Like just For money. Your, your purpose is to. Just... I, I love him calling out people at the time too. just being the most badass guy in town, just having a nice, pretty uh, white girl on your arm or walking down the street and being like, what are you going to do? What the fuck are you yeah, gonna do? Yeah, and they're yeah, like, "Yeah, we can't do shit." Asshole. Cool. Come, come, uh, come, talk to me about it. And they go, "Yeah, yeah. Hey, my, I." And he goes, "Okay, cool. Yeah, all right, cool." He almost has talked shit about him every day of his life, and he just he just fought back. He so. goes, "Yeah, respect." Fucking, yeah. <clears throat> well, fuck you. Well, fuck you up. Um. Well, the one-two so, punch there. I'll give yeah. you the hammer fist on top of your head, that buddy bastard. Just smoke him with his Virginia Southern accent. Just smoke him like a Virginia uh, Slim. Donkey Kong it. That's it. So my final thoughts are, this dude's a fucking awesome guy. Huge fan of him. Glad this shit still happened. Um, paving the way for um, getting through the Civil War on the right side of things and then continuing on with that movement. For sure. Today, through George Floyd, this guy's fucking kicking serious rims. And um, that's all I gotta say. Love it. Kicking rims, taking trophies. That's it, man. So that's the Dylan Joe Basin Podcast, episode 40 fucking six. Um, 46. But we're just getting started. We're just getting our feet. We're just hitting our stride here, folks. We're just getting our feet wet. You hang tight. We are uh, Zoom for like right now, but very, very soon we're just gonna be live again doing our fucking thing um next week it. we do uh have a interesting episode planned before should we spell a secret about february so everyone can look forward to our february episodes i'm gonna do it because i don't care spell february it. is cult month cold, 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 cold. whole entire episode of dylan joe basic podcast four episodes in a row or whatever february is a weird month but probably four three i don't know whatever it is Colts. Three and change. Yeah, we're Three doing exactly change. right. 
cult we month. Did, we did a spooky February. month in October. We're doing the cult month in February. I've been wanting to do an episode about cults forever. And Dylan came up with the idea of not just doing one episode of it because it's too much there. It's too much it's too meaty content. We got to break it up, man. Cults, so we're going to do it. Cults cover aliens, UFOs, drugs, sex, rim jobs, fucking boxing. <laughs> you name it. Dude, all <laughs> you of name everything it. we've ever talked about. I can't think of one topic we've ever talked about that doesn't involve a cult. It's all, it's all there. It's, it's all, all there. there. So we're going to devote a whole entire month, you guys, for, for cults. Cult month. Cult month. Yeah, you do it. 2022 cult month bring it on let's have a good time next week's episode uh we're planning to have a special guest we'll let you know sometimes they get diarrhea or get yeah sorry our guest this week uh he, he had severe diarrhea and his catalytic converter got yeah. stolen yeah um, so yeah what are you gonna do you get, you get live life the way you can but uh yeah. hopefully she'll show up next time and uh, we'll talk about him we'll yeah. talk to him rather about the next topic yeah, yeah, exactly. And if he wants to join next week's episode with another guest, another sure. hot guest, um, again, so see what happens. Hell yeah. And that's why they call it the basement. Basement. Anything happens, things allowed. No one tells secrets in the basement. No stitches here. And uh, so far. It ain't over till you give up or you get knocked up, mate. And I'm a good bottom. I can take it. I'm a glutton for punishment. You heard. That's it. Don't go. Basin Podcast, episode 46. Go fuck yourself. Put up your dukes, fuckers. So many places you can just up, up, up under the armpit. That's a place I've been punched. That's always that makes you, that makes you show your pants. We all know oh, that. It the does. Fact. Yeah, I'm never showing my pants that, but I've been punched. <laughs> in the armpit. They spot. shit their pants. That's good true. spot to get fucking hit. Um, <laughs> And William Rimmer trained. Sorry, not William Rimmer. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> no, you know, Rimmer's done. Now, William Rimmer is out the fucking, out the ass. Don't fuck with him. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, I think that they call them shit brick houses now. That's yeah, they, they, yeah, brick shit houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah, we're not talking about the chicken house. Don't get confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a brick, he's a brick shit house. He's building a brick shit house, and that's for sure. Brick shit house for sure. Uh, here's a uh, piece of toast with some beans on it. Or and he was like, "Blimey, that's me I ever saw." Blimey, uh, jerked me off six ways from Saturday. Ain't no bar. Oh, right? but he was Scottish though, so he's like, "I can't believe it, laddie. Just what I needed in this cold, <laughs> foggy morning." Exactly. A slice of toast and some beans. You know I'm a legendary pedestrian, don't you, lad? <laughs> Dude, was that him? I feel like that was just a cut in of him speaking. Oh, um, yeah, it was. And, and as you mentioned earlier, if if just one of them decided to punch the other one in the armpit, they'd shit. So they would shit, that, and the fight would be over. Too. It's a fact. Go punch. Yeah, if you're listening to the podcast, punch who's ever next to you in the car in the armpit. So in the armpit. We get them to put their hands up and then just punch them as hard as you can in the armpit. They will shit. Tell me, say, hey, I've got a game. Um, everyone's gonna put their arms up in the air real quick, and whoever does the longest wins immediately punch me on head. Yep, and then they will shit, and it will be hilarious. Yeah, it's the only way to figure this out. That was a thing that was happening back then all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Cause that's why they, that's why they would stand like this and have their armpits closed and have their fists close to their body because if they put their arms up to guard their face, 
boom, right in the armpit, you shit your pants, fight's over. Yeah, and then you get scared, and then you go, oh, I made a mistake, and then they beat the shit out of you. Cause you yep. Because they made you shit. Yeah, um, they beat the shit out of your trousers, and then you all, all you have is pants. Yeah, you could barely stand in line at a coffee shop back then and have someone not do that to you. If you were in a coffee shop in the year 1805 and you and they said, whose meal is this? And you put your hand up, you would get punched in the armpit and you would shit in public. Yeah, it happened so much. It just wasn't documented much because the church documented most Well, it's embarrassing. People wouldn't admit it. Much. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so it was, you don't hear about it a lot. But I mean, if you need any more proof that it happened, go ahead, have your friend raise their hand. Ask them a question that's really easy and go class dismissed and then punch them in the armpit as hard as you can. And then you tell me what you smell. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, hear, smell, see, whatever. Yeah, hear, hear me now, smell it later. You know what I mean? It, it, don't take my my word for it. Reading Rainbow. You and don't be it. embarrassed to have to It's happened to the best of us. And don't do it to yourself. It's like tickling yourself. You can't, that's not how it works. You have to do it to someone else. Yeah. I know you're getting all cute with us here. Oh, I'll do it to myself. You won't hit hard enough. Yeah. You won't. Do it to someone else and do it as hard as you can. They will shit their parents. Yep. And then who's laughing all the way to the fucking changing station? You are. That's who. Yeah.